show who you are. Yeah. Gary's such a handsome boy. Handsome boy. Gary, my boy. My boy. My, my boy, boy, Gary. My boy, Gary. Gary. <laughs> Gary. Gary the Gary. Gary the Gary. Um, Gary. So welcome back to another episode of True Crime Drunks. I'm Wes. It's Holly. Yes. Special guest, Cass. Speech. Oh, 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 oh. Cass. Here, here, to, here to bless us with ukulele that she didn't bring. Oh, yeah. Jones and the People Temple. I had a dumb pun. That is so obscure that there's only gonna be like one percent of people who get it. Yeah. It's not even a pun. Yeah. But it's like I gotta talk to my like two thousands rap fans. Because for the longest time when people talked about Jim Jones like the cult leader, uh-huh. I always thought it was Jim Jones the rapper. Yeah. If you remember this, like there's a small group of people who remember the song called We Fly High, because it was like a thing in like two thousand like six and seven. Because he like would scream in the song "Ballin'" and then do like a hoop thing, like he's making a shot. Yeah, ballin'. So when I started hearing about the People's Temple and Jim Jones, I was like, man, he went from rap to cult. <laughs> I was really confused for a long time. So yeah, that's uh, my. Yeah, he was. He he really was ballin'. Yeah, he really was ballin'. <laughs> he out here ballin'. He out here ballin'. But yeah, today's subject is Jim Jones, the cult leader. Uh, People's Temple. The People's Temple. And they're most famously known for Jonestown Massacre and drinking the purple Kool-Aid, which, you know, we always heard that, like, in pop culture growing up. Like, not drink the Kool-Aid. Like, seen it in tons of movies and TV shows. But I never actually, I truly never really knew what it was from. I knew what it was from, but um, I never knew that it was purple. No. (laughs) For some reason... I don't know where I learned it, but I always knew about the purple Kool-Aid being like, I think, was it great? I think so, yeah. I think so. Yes, you know, you gotta really cleanse that um, cyanide taste out of your mouth. But um, I, for some reason, have always known about the purple Kool-Aid. No, like, and I can't remember why, but I always like kind of associated it as like following sheep. Oh, and I don't know if like my dad did it or something like in my youth, but I've oh, happy birthday, happy birthday. I've always known about the purple Kool Aid, and like then I learned about People's Temple. But like for some reason, I've always known about Jim Jones. So sometimes when I would make purple Kool Aid jokes, and people like, ah ha and I'm like, yeah, you know the mass like suicide, and he's like, what? Yeah, suicide is. Um, I didn't have a a really good joke, but. Apparently, I'll get more into this in, the, when the, in his childhood. He, uh, his father was actually might have been associated with the Ku Klux Klan, oh, no. but maybe that's why um, Jim Jones went with the Kool Aid to uh, represent his father. So he was like the Kool Aid man. No, I didn't really blow. I was trying to think of like, um, like, like the Cool Kids Club, but with all K's. That, cool kids um, club. The Kool Aid Club. Yeah, because I'm in like this Discord group that's called the Cool Kids Club. But anyway. Shouts out that you're in that Discord Club. It's funny. Jesus. And no, I'm like, this is a bad joke. But I found one <laughs> online. I found one online that I was like, like just Chef's kiss. Mm, Chef's kiss. This is um, from upjokes.com. <laughs> so, why don't people make jokes about the Jonestown Massacre? Punchline is too long. <laughs> ah, that's what you call an knee slapper, kids. Yeah, so that's like basically the entire. Ooh, this one is a. Is this one has profanity? 
Uh-oh. <laughs> but most every single joke is, um, the punchline is killer, or the punchline is too long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to think of something that can go with, like, Kool-Aid, because, like, cool KK. Yeah. And then dad was in with KKK. But it didn't really flow. So I was like, I'll just go with this one. I think that most of his stuff growing up, like when he became an adult and he started doing all the stuff he did, he must have really hated his dad. From what it sounds like, it does, but I don't know, because like from what I can hear, his dad was like working so much, so like... Oh, so he never got yeah. much interaction with his dad? Yeah, not really, but I think that's also what leads to this problem. So let's start off with Jim Jones was born May 13th, 1931, in a rural area of Crete, Indiana. A lot of things happen in Indiana, I feel like. Yeah. Um, to James and Loretta, and I guess he was, I don't know why this is relevant, he was Irish and Welsh, Welsh descent. I'm also Irish. Connections. <laughs> Irish, I wasn't. By the last I am. He later claims that he's like partially Cherokee, but like that's also saying like I'm 132 Cherokee. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's 100th of something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm 100% white. Yeah. I'm mostly from. I'm like 38% British and Scottish. Yeah. And Irish. So like. None of it. I'm like 0.08 like Jewish though, so. Nice. Shouts out Hanukkah. Shouts out. Just ended. But, um, Shouts out so Hanukkah. he was kind of born during the time of, like, as soon as, like, the end of the Great Depression. Um, so that's why their family kind of, like, didn't, wasn't very close because of that, because his dad was working full time and so was his mom. So he's very bitter about that because he wasn't getting attention as a kid. And so. He, um, when they would go to, like, church and stuff, he was really interested in, like, the pastors and, like, how they were able to lead a room. And so, as a kid growing up, he would actually hold his own, is it sermons? Yeah. His own sermons with, like, kids in his grade. Because, like, during that time, most parents were, like, working all the time and, like, just kids were just wandering the street because, like, you know really wasn't such thing as daycare nor child rights. That's why my favorite John Mulaney jokes is the most rights, the like most like rights you've seen evolve so quickly are like children rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is so insane. Hold him to work early. <laughs> you know, not give anyone else rights, the children. I think it was just, it's so funny to think that like not that long ago, like you could be working in a factory like next to like an eight year old. Right? Yeah. Just like a little kid. How wild would that be? Like, you just fucking, like, hey, little feller. It'd make me never want to have kids. No. I'd be like, I'd be like, oh. But free labor. Oh, no, all yeah, right. pay them be way like, less. Yeah. Probably really annoying. Nah, I feel like they'd probably come in their own early. <laughs> like one oh, grown man like, like me. I like one <laughs> grown man me look at this little eight-year-old. I'll fucking murder you. And then he'll probably never be annoying again. Yeah, he'll probably just be like, <laughs> "Okay, understood." I'll do my work, Sweet. sir. All right. Yes, but so he was kind of raised during the Great Depression, so he didn't really have a lot. A lot of people thought he was like a weird kid because he was like way adult for his age. Like he acted more mature. I think that's what kind of led him to be able to then kind of 
you know, have like this respect with children because he knew how to talk because he got really weirdly into religion at a very young age. Um, I bet John Wayne Gacy hated child labor laws. Sorry, fun fact. <laughs> I know, it really took out a lot of his pool. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I'd rather um, not been if they could have hired an eight-year-old on the construction site. Oh, I'll bury you later. <laughs> I'm gonna bury you later. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean, Mr. Gacy? And he's like, yeah, I'll bury you at work. Yeah. yeah bury you in uh, work. Bury you. Definitely not this house. Yeah. Not, not in this, not in my basement. Yeah, not, not my basement. Not in, uh, not, not here. No. Yeah, but when I was trying to make a joke with the Ku Klux Klan, it didn't really work. But, um. I thought of a joke. Was a good joke. Um, uh, why did they not let Jim Jones? Why did they ban Jim Jones from prom? Why? Because he was gonna. They were afraid he was gonna spike the punch. Mm, I like that. <laughs> That's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. I like that. I had the greatest tweet yesterday, a couple days ago. I'm so mad I didn't get the publicity as it is. What was it? I said I'm like the Grinch. That's my dick. That's two sizes too small. Oh. <laughs> oh. That's solid. That's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one. Chef's kiss. It's like, good. Oh. But yeah, but apparently. Um, they think that his father was like part of the Ku Klux Klan, which I guess was very popular in the Depression era of Indiana. Oh yeah. So Indiana was a very racist state for a very long time. I don't think yeah people forget about that. Yeah. But yeah, so they think that like because like I guess apparently like his father for many years refused to allow Jones to speak to anyone of any color that wasn't white and like wouldn't allow him to have friends over that were black or like. Um, things like that, but um, Jones' parents did separate, and he relocated to Richmond, Indiana with his mom, and then graduated with honors, early honors, Ooh. in 1948. Um, Fancy scholar boy. Yes. And so... Strong brain. Strong brain. No smooth brain action over here. No smooth brain. But even as a young age, he was very... Um, interested in like marxism and like he was a communist yeah he really liked studying all that kind of things um um a lot of people speculated he was very into like learning about marxism and like um communists and like religions because he didn't have friends okay nerd nerd um but even with that um apparently one time he like held a funeral for a cat he stabbed so that way he was able to bring kids in the neighborhood to have a funeral and to have like people gather for him to hear his speeches things like that um <laughs> i feel like that should have been a, like a little warning sign that they're like something something is wrong here you know it, it's it's weird because even though jim jones i mean yeah when we get later in the story he murdered a lot yeah. Um, but leading up to that point, you're gonna hear a lot of stuff that, like, depending on how you look at it, yeah. There's a lot of portion of his life where, like, if you take away the negative stuff and the communist stuff, yeah, pretty fucking great dude. From what I can tell, I mean, he was able to gather kids to listen to like sermons or like listen to him talk. He was able to like manipulate kids to do weird things. Yeah. Like one time he let like told the kid just to wait in this room and the kid waited for like hours and hours and then he finally came to Joseph's like, 
thank you for waiting. Come out now. Yeah. And, like, that was, like, the end. Like, he was just able to, like, hold a group of people at such a young, young age. Yeah. That is, like, kind of terrifying. Especially because, like, obviously we know what he does in the future, but, like, to be able to... Because you've hurt children. They're not entertaining for that goddamn long. No. I mean, especially, like, as a kid myself, like, listening to one person talk, especially one child talk and no one else talk. You're just kind of like, all right, you've said the same thing over but, and over again. Right? And so, yeah, so, like, he was able to, like, even at the young age, be able to, like, hold people's attention and get people to listen and took in a lot of interest in religion, which was how he then created his own religion. Yeah. Well, and- it's pretty known that even at a younger age that he liked to study specific people, obviously Karl Marx being one of them, but also people like Stalin, Hitler, Gandhi. He even later adopted a child and named him Stephen Gandhi. Oh. Like, or Stephen Gandhi, whatever it was. But like, he definitely had this weird fatuation with like people who knew how to control large audiences yeah and whether that be through voice or action like he was very successful successful. i mean he didn't kill 900 people who weren't ready like they were there for him yeah and they were like i will do anything they were pretty devoted to the people's temple like he he was good at what he did he was very good at what he did but yeah and then once he graduated he um got married um went to school um, yeah, he's, he, he's very educated. A lot like all of our other people. It did take him 10 years to get out of college, which, you know, take that for a grain of salt, but mm-hmm. just like a lot of other people that we've covered, he isn't. He's definitely not dim witted. Yeah. Uh, he has a good head on his shoulders. I do think it's interesting that a lot of people point out that he did get married to his wife, who was there on Jonestown. Yeah. She stuck with him all the way to the end, even though at points he definitely was. Uh, cheating on her but uh, he got married like at a young 19 18 right a year after high school and everyone always yeah. said like yeah because he's way more mature for his age than most people know so man, i don't know if he just really was that good at representing himself or if there was something else going on yeah um what's crazy about all this is Obviously, he was very into, he believed communism was correct. He would go to communist meetings, you know, he got followed by the FBI because of it. So, I mean, this is right during the time where it's like, oh, you can't have communism in America. The commies. They're going to get you. Yeah, because this is like right after World War II when it's like, we they understand like Hitler and like what that can do to an entire country and then World War. Yeah, what's interesting is so he got... He felt like he was getting persecuted because of his beliefs. And he sat down and was thinking like, well, I'm so frustrated and pissed off that because I believe this, I'm gonna get like in trouble or potentially like in prison because of this. Yeah. It's like, so I have to come up with a way to be able to spread my message without getting in trouble. Right. So he did what any smart person would do. He infiltrated the church. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's no, there's no better way to spread messages, even if it is communism. Yeah. You could sneak those in your, ser- your sermons like little, all the time. Little bits and pieces. Well, yeah, because I mean, that's... I mean, especially during that time, everyone was very into religion and things like that. And everyone, I mean, still is. But, like, 
different just, level. Like, different level. It just amazes me, like with religion, how much you can get away with saying. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. I never realized until reading this how much power Jim Jones actually got, especially later on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get into it later, but he had meetings with some very powerful people, including Jimmy Carter's wife. Um, some uh, vice president, I can't remember his name, and they were all like pretty supportive of him and People's Temple. Yeah. And like, if you think about history wise, let's say he was able to persuade Jimmy Carter's wife, who then persuaded Jimmy Carter to believe more of what Jim Jones thought. Yeah. How big of a dynamic shift in politics in our America we see today would happen? Because this was, he was talking to Jimmy Carter's wife in the 70s. Yeah. And this isn't like 1930, 1940. Like, this was in more recent history. Yeah. We have family, I'm sure, all of us that were well alive in the 70s. Oh, yeah, for sure. Doing acid and smoking weed and mm-hmm. getting in trouble. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. Put right. Put um, so, how he exactly infiltrated the church is pretty. He, he definitely is a brilliant guy. Um, he got his start at a Methodist church as a student pastor. Now, the guy who gave him this go was aware that he was a communist and was still like, was seems like, like a good guy. Yeah. Seems like a good guy. Maybe he's just a little bit a little bit off. And that was at the Somerset Southside Methodist Church. Shouts out to them. I'm sure they're still going. Shouts out to Somerset Southside. Um, he soon later left that church because his, later, his leaders forbade him from integrating blacks into his congregation. Now, this is the part of Jim Jones that is pretty fucking awesome. Is he, this whole separation of blacks and whites, and he, he all thought it was bullshit. He's like, I don't get it. Like, why, why are we not integrating? Like, it's, the segregation is just awful. Um, after leaving that church, he witnessed something called a faith healing, which... I don't know if you guys have ever seen videos of that. You can look it up. It's pretty... It's intense. It's funny. Um, And he saw how much money it was bringing in and how much power and people. And he thought... He was like... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I like to think that's the exact face he was making (laughs) in the mirror. He's like, fuck. So he... um, He organized a super big for the area convention to take place in 1956. And he actually brought in... Um, William Branham, who I, I didn't do any research, but I guess at the time was a huge even even jelly evangelist. I hate that word. Evangelist. I, I suck at that word. Yeah. But he was evangelist. A, evangelist. Yes, he was a healing evangelist during yeah. the time. Who was like, that was the guy who did it, um, and he brought him in in hopes of like bringing in large audiences. Oh yeah. Um, and this guy was also an author, so like you know people wanted to come and talk to him. Right. Um, and it was successful. It brought in tons and tons of people in the area. And uh, Jim was actually able to convert a lot of people into his way of thinking. And this is where the first start of the People's Temple came about. Now, it had different names, which I couldn't find. Yeah. Um, I'm sure just like uh, the Heaven's Gate cult had several names of its start. Yeah. Um, it, eventually, it eventually did turn into what we know today as the People's Temple. Yeah. 
And to expand more on to, I think, why his religion was able to get so popular with such a diverse group of people, um, in 1960s, he was actually appointed director of local human rights campaigns. Yeah. Or commissions. So he was actually in charge of human rights campaigns. Um, he even received a Martin Luther King Jr. Humanitarian Award um, for his work with helping segregation in Indiana. Um, he did so many like so many different things he like helped uh, racially inter- integrate like restaurants churches yep. the police department even museums like anything he would do like at one point even um he was like i don't know what happened but he got sick and he had to be taken to a hospital and he refused to be treated in the white wing. He's like, no, I want to be retreated in the and that. Yeah, he got placed there on accident. Mm-hmm. And when they were like, oh, we'll just take you over the white wing, he was like, like fuck that, fuck you guys, I'm staying here. Yeah. And not only did he stay, mm-hmm. he got when he started feeling better, he went around and was making the beds, of which was unheard of for a white man to make the yeah. black people's beds in that hospital, yeah. changing bedpans and doing the whole nine. And this put so much heat on that hospital, like Jim Jones doing this, saying like, hey, why are you guys still segregating the hospital? But they were pressured into breaking that segregation completely. So like Jim Jones really like, this whole era, yeah, this whole era of him doing things was really positive. Like he may have single-handedly been, well, excuse me, I don't wanna say single-handedly, but he was such a big part of breaking down that segregation in Indiana during that time. And I didn't know this. So um, he was at a meeting for the NAACP and Urban League where he was yelling at an audience saying that they needed to um, be more militant, which, you know, that's a different argument for a different time, whether that's good or not. But he climaxed with the quote he said, screaming, <laughs> he fucking nutted climax. Oh, wait, oh. Um, Nut. Um, he finished his speech by saying, let my people go. And that's a famous line. Like, you yeah. hear that all the time. Like, let my people go. I did been songs written about it and all that type of thing. And, you know, it's just, it's so weird to think that he went from really being a positive impact to later leading the largest mass suicide yeah almost the whole world yeah yeah Yeah. how does somebody go from let's yeah go from um you know ending segregation in indiana where they had his father was part of the ku klux klan yeah to somehow having a commune and killing 900 people yeah Yeah. let's find out yeah Some of the other stuff that I thought was cool that he did was uh, he would reach out to American Nazi leaders and get them to write him shit and then he would out him. Like, just straight up out him in public. Like, that's some fucking, like... um, Which, can we talk for just two seconds about how mind-blowing it is that there's still Nazis in America? Seriously. Like, white supremacist groups? I was watching a Vice... This just came to my mind because like it blew my mind so hard because so there's this this family that are raising their children to be white supremacists and one of the vice direct like uh, interviewers was talking to the guy one on one and he's like 
hey man, you have a black child. Is your child less than your white children? And he's like, no, 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 they're not white. They're, 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 it's, I love my children equally, all the same. And he's like, how can you say that and then teach your child, your new, your white children to hate people of color and hate anyone that's not white? And he literally couldn't even think. He was like, I'm sorry, I'm like, I'm legitimately like thinking this through. And I think like that vice person kind of helped put this guy in his place because yeah. he has other children who are not white and he's yet raising this new group of people and like um his wife who's ugly of course just kidding up. i've never <laughs> yeah. seen a attractive white supremacist let's just put that out there big yeah. facts big facts. facts but um his wife was even saying like like how she's like, oh, I don't mind people of color. Like, I could, I, we could possibly be friends. And then he's like, well, if one moved into your neighborhood, would you have a problem with that? She's like, yeah. And he's like, do you have a problem with me right now? And she like, didn't comment. I think because the guy was. I think the reality like, of part of it too is like the reason why there's still shit like this. Yeah. Is unintelligence. Yeah. Like, whether that be that they just didn't go to school, or they just had really shitty upbringings, like... Yeah. And that's not me trying to say that it's okay. Like, it's definitely not. And I mm-hmm. and I keep saying how much I hate how people still give okay passes to older generations for shit. Yeah. They are supposed to be mature, and if they can't switch their ideas around by the time they're 60, 70, they're not mature. They're fucking idiots. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I just really think that a lot of it has to do with, like really idiotic people having kids yeah well i mean these people have like three children and they're literally teaching white supremacy yeah those are going to be three kids who are probably going to have three kids each and it's going to continue this cycle yeah and then it's just going to i mean that's the whole reason that it's still prevalent today yeah it's because dumb people keep having kids and then raising them that way and then they know nothing else other than that hashtag don't let dumb people fuck anymore yeah (laughs) let's teach next ed better yeah well i don't think that's going to stop me I mean, in those, most of the states, they teach abstinence, and they, you know. Oh, well, yeah, that's definitely not that's the what they smart do here. thing to do. Yeah, so that's why I'm saying Absence is not the way to teach, because all that, when they started telling me that I shouldn't have sex before marriage, I was like, that's all I want to do. What? You're saying that's what I want Instead of like, you know how like in movies and TV shows, they like have that scene where like the teacher comes in with a banana and shows how to roll on condoms? I never saw that. Yeah, no, same. Never. I was told what a condom was. My <laughs> that was teacher, about it. My teacher literally was like, legally, I'm not allowed to tell you guys about certain things like contraceptives and whatnot. But if you ask me questions, she can answer. I can answer. Yeah. Did you have our health teacher? Yeah. 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 Shouts out to our health teacher. Not gonna call her out because she did that for also my class. Yeah. That's only like because I remember her exactly having say, I legally cannot tell you. But if you ask me, I can give you an educated response, but I'm going to teach you this. But I'm going to give you a response of what you can do otherwise. It's just so idiotic. And I I know that we live in a specific area where there's lots of different cultural things going on. But it's so idiotic to just think by saying that you shouldn't have sex that kids all of a sudden are not going to do it. Yeah. Like, I mean, the sex rate's going up and up. The younger generations are, they're having sex at younger ages. I, okay, I'm not going to say anyone's name specifically, but I heard a story from someone who worked at an elementary school, 
and this was like four or five years ago, yeah. maybe. And she said that there was a situation where they caught a, kid, a boy and a girl in the playground. The boy was finger banging the girl, and the girl was jacking him off. Sixth graders. Sixth graders. So maybe we need to start pushing when we start teaching sex ed a little bit younger because let's say that, that yeah. th- those yeah. those sixth graders started banging and she got pregnant yeah. in sixth grade. I mean, I don't. It's, it's I mean, it's, I, yeah. It's I don't possible. know, like health wise, how risk, how bad that would be, but I couldn't imagine that's going to be good. Oh yeah, no, no, because there's a certain point where you have to let your body. Yeah. fully developed like that's why like 16 year olds are so fertile because that's technically in a sense of just our evolution when we're the most fertile it's at a young age then that way we can pop 10 times more out in the yeah. future but i mean i know um my my ex had a co-worker who it's kind of a funny story he first tried um jello American style or American pie style, the Jello. Oh, nice. Yeah. So he did the Jello, and then he had sex. He lost his virginity at thirteen. Yeah. So it's like people are doing oh, yeah. it younger and younger. We can't. Yeah. It's it goes along with like, you know, my whole thing of like we can't keep letting older generations get away with shit because it was a different time. We can't yeah. turn blind eyes to things that we're uncomfortable with. Yeah. I don't want to talk to fucking. Sixth graders about sex. No one in the world does. No, but it needs to happen. Yeah. yeah. You know, it needs to. They need to understand. Like, hey, we can't fucking watch you twenty four seven every single day of your lives. Yeah. Like, no. Kids are gonna make dumb decisions. But listen, like, these are the ramifications of if you do this. Yeah. Not safely. Like, your life's not gonna be great. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, and I don't mean that in a rude way to anyone who had kids at a young age. Like, you can still have a fantastic life, but. Yeah it's going to be a struggle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, like, I, I agree with you in the sense of, like, we should teach them at a younger age. Well, in that way, too, they just, like, it doesn't even have to be, like, a, doesn't okay, now have... go have sex now. It's, no. like, a more of, like, a, yeah. hey, in the future, this Please is what's going to be happening. Please talk to me when you get to that age where you want to start. Yeah. Well, and parents and need to be like more that. comfortable with it, too. Like, I get it, right? Like, it's not an easy thing to do, and I'm sure, like, having that conversation i'm sure parents dread it oh literally especially here yeah i had a friend who i mean she also was like religious and everything and she was getting married so she hadn't had sex until then yeah when they got married and she was telling me she's like i have yeah. i don't know anything about it and when she asked her mother like hey i'm about ready for my wedding night do you have any uh Help. Yeah, like inputs. All she said was, "Have fun." That's not great. Yeah, and I was like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> "Yeah, what?" If you want to hear something baller about my grandma, though, so we have a really close family friends um, who are super, super religious, and their mom is also the same way, where they just don't want to talk about it with their daughters, and they had. Three weddings in one year for their youngest daughters all got married in the same year. Ugh, a wild time. We went to so many weddings. I bet. It was insane. But it was like known in the group. They were like, oh, mom's not going to tell you anything. Talk to your older sisters or talk to Aunt Virginia. Because she's going to tell you what's up. And my grandma would. To the point where um, the youngest was sitting at the table thinking like, oh, I'm the youngest. You've done this with six other girls. If 
you're comfortable now, not realizing that they only went to my grandma, and the family friend's mom didn't know that they were going to my grandma, and we're talking about it, because it was just them, like, I wasn't even in the room, all I remember was hearing a scuffle, like a chair, like, slamming, and then all of a sudden, a glass getting thrown in the sink, and my grandma being like, we need to leave, because they were talking about, I don't remember what they were talking about, like, my grandma wouldn't say, because I was only 13 at the time, but she taught, she was like, you know, I, she's like, everyone's comfortable, because she's also a labor and delivery nurse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's so educated on women's reproductive health that, and she's also had three kids of her own. Yeah. And she's been married twice. She knows what it's like on your wedding day, especially losing yeah. your virginity and things like that. Yeah. And she, she, her friend didn't realize that all her kids were going to her for advice and not going to her. And I think the youngest called her mom out and was like, well, at least Virginia will talk to us about it. And I think that's what started the, then the fight. Mm-hmm. She's throwing some hands. Yeah. She, yeah. She throw down Virginia. Which is hilarious because she's 4'11 and Did like... she throw a small untapped punch? I know. That's why I'm, she threw that glass down that ever like... The house was just silent. It was like... And then we just got up and left. And I remember like Rachel being like, I'm so sorry. And my grandma's like, if you still want to talk about this, call. call I, I think too something that... I, I've thought about this subject a lot, especially after hearing that thing at a certain elementary. I was like, uh, what can we do as like, like, as like a community to help these things go along? And I really thought like, how great would it be? Like, and I know like, I hope that we're on the cusp of like teachers really getting the salaries they deserve and like yeah. reforming our school system a little bit. But I think every school, elementary through high school, should have like an on-board therapist like an actual license not a counselor yeah, I, my was, counselors didn't know shit yeah no they just be another, kind of like a uh oh, a no. i was yeah. my counselor was mr grizz and i'm not afraid to say his fucking name dog shit is a job at his job i was yeah. i was my i was my id number to him and i was either getting good grades or i wasn't there yeah. was no talk of me doing anything besides getting good grades or what i like I had one meeting with him about college, and he's like, oh yeah, you just gotta, where do you want to go? I'm like, I don't know, he's like, well, you should probably think about it. I, re- I remember that, because that was also my counselor, too, and not I don't want to, I'm not saying anything, but he would only really, if you weren't If you weren't on favorite, the football team, you weren't getting talked to. Yeah, or um, yeah. if you weren't a girl. Because I also noticed that he would spend a little extra time, not like in a sense that I'm like, I'm not saying anything. That. I'm yeah. not saying it was, but for some reason he always helped girls more, or if you were on the football team. Yeah. But uh, even with that, if you weren't his friend, he never talked to you. I was neither, and I only had one meeting with him through my high school time, and that was like a month before graduation on my plans on the future. Oh my god. Oh, were they but, like, yeah. But I think, that, yeah. I think that we should have like a therapist in every school, and I think that there should be like a more openness, like you know, I'm sure for more specifically women versus men, like, losing your virginity is a very emotional situation. Mm -hmm. So, like, it should be something that is openly talked to more about. Like, I'm sure for a lot of girls, it could be bad, it could be okay, but it still should be something that they have someone who they can go talk to about Mm -hmm. it. You know, especially if they're even younger than you know if it keeps getting younger and younger like yeah having just an adult who isn't your parents or who isn't like 
in control of like your grades, like a teacher or something like that, having yeah. like a therapist that you trust, who's like a homie kind of. Because that's how, yeah. when I went to therapy, my therapist was like a homie to me. He was just like my yeah. like a friend. Yeah. He just knew what like I needed. And you're yeah. like, having yeah. that like, like in a junior high kid, or a high school kid. Oh, especially in junior high. Junior oh, high is a bad time for everybody because it's just you're awkward, your body's not right. Yeah. It just doesn't, no, no one's having a good time. You can't tell high, if you need honestly. to beat your meat or you want to jump off a fucking building. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't know which one you want to do. I remember like, hey, both at the head. same time. I remember in middle school reading a raunchy book and reading the word clit and having to be like, I'm okay with that reading this book for a while. <laughs> because I was You're so like, uncomfortable because I didn't mind. understand what a clit was. <laughs> and it would have been so nice to ask somebody yeah, what that was. Like, I mean, obviously I learned and then in two years I finished the book. Yeah. Good clit book. But, well, because at the time I had a Kindle and so it it said 18 and older, and I was like, oh, maybe there's some murder. There's some gruesome shit. Yeah, I thought I was like, you know, 18 and older. Like, I think of like horror, like R-rated movies where yeah. like it might have like a sex scene, but like those sex scenes aren't really like sex sex scenes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not graphic sex scenes, yeah. and they're normally it curses more or it's gore. So I was like, oh, I can read that. And then it said quit, and I was like, let's start a different book. Never mind. And then I. Continuous, but like I think I was like 13 when I read it, and then I was 14 when I was like, let's reread this book, and it was just this. What book was it? I think it was called Rock Me, and it was about a girl. Listen. Come on now. Come on now. You weren't getting in that book thinking there's gonna be some fucking gruesome. Murder. I you were like, you were like, oh, I, I thought the sex scenes were gonna be like, and then like, you know, they bone. I didn't think it was gonna go into that graphic, yeah. anatomical. Yeah, stuff. usually if the if if you catch a glimpse of clit, it's gonna be a little bit more detailed. Yeah, yeah see, that's yeah. like, cause like I was starting my progression of like I was just reading everything, so I was like, I finally learned how to read. <laughs> no longer literate. And so, well. And it was sounded like a cute story. It was like a guy who was like a bad boy and a girl. It's actually a really good Rock me. Rock me. That just makes me think of um, when I first was recommended to read um, Court of Thorns and Roses. Yeah. And Quality book. Yeah, which is so good. And I'm so excited for uh, the new book to come out in yes. February. Um, I was like, all right, I'm excited. And then Holly was like, all right, so it's like not too raunchy or anything. I think it says like cock like once. <laughs> well, and I was like, I was like, okay, whatever. I read it and I was like, oh, oh my, oh, that is some detail. And I texted her almost immediately and I was like, you lied to me, first of all. Yeah, we got an issue here. Yeah, well, you know what? Okay, like, well, listen, I read the word clit 13. I was, my, 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 I was just yeah. so what is raunchy nowadays. Everything after um, that was just cakewalk. Yeah, <laughs> and if it, if it makes an example of what it's like to live in Utah, um, one of her other series, Throne of Glass, yeah. we went to a local bookstore of ours, and in that I think it's the fifth book, which is one of the, like the raunchiest of the books. It gets more raunchy. Oh well, yeah, I need to catch up. Oh, yeah. The Throne of Glass you would actually really like because it's about an assassin. Oh, it's so dope. Is Just it not good. the same people? No, no it's, it's a not. different. But there's. Oh. It's there kind of like a, a multiverse sort of thing. You might. It might yeah. be. I mean, I'm that's, hoping with this is, next three books that's coming out of Corridor and Roses, maybe we'll get some, you know, yeah. connections. I mean, technically, also, um, there's this whole part where I think it's the girl from um, Thorn of Glass. Thorn of Glass. 
um, there's like this whole thing where basically she kind of like goes through time and space for a real quick sec. Hell yeah. And she sees everything and it mentions um, people from the other book, like her seeing them. She, it mentions a girl with fey ears and a yeah. guy with wings, mm-hmm. but with fey ears kind of we know that guy with wings. Yeah. I'm waiting for him to do like a Naruto Shadow Jutsu and just gangbanger <laughs> in her in his city up in the sky. Oh, Dude, yeah. with that view. Yeah, with that view though. He walks view. in, he's all like, "What about three of me?" And he just separates. <laughs> that would be amazing. And then honestly. he just does the fucking Hagrid like, oh. <laughs> flops it out, and she's like, "Bam!" <laughs> but wowie. But you, we opened the book. Cause I think there was like a note on the book that said like censored. There, there was something that we for some reason yeah, opened it. It was censored. And it literally had white out on the raunchy parts. That's hilarious. Which is hilarious like, because that means that like 60 out of the 800 pages are probably white out. Shouts out oh, Utah. Yeah, yeah, yeah shouts out to the fucking mom that spent the time to white out. It's a real Karen. Hundred page book. She was reading and she loved it. And she was like, she's like. Oh. She's like, don't worry, I have the Kindle highlights on my phone. <laughs> From yeah, my husband's obviously. done diddling other kids. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Damn. Yeah, fuck Whoa. it. Mm-hmm. Like, you, should read, you should read um, the Crescent City as well. That's her other series. I still need to read that, which I'm disappointed. I'm like halfway through the second book, so I need to. You, you, yeah, you gotta. I, I'm finishing Harry Potter, and then I'm getting back to court. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Okay, so let's get back to Jim Jones on what was going on. So he's doing a lot of work trying to break segregation in Indiana. And one of the coolest things that he did. It's weird to talk about someone who commits mass murder in a cool way, but he did do some cool shit. So he started adopting a lot of non-white kids, Mm -hmm. um, and he called it the Rainbow Family. Like he was, his family was the Rainbow Family, which was pretty cool. Um, He basically said that integration, because that was his whole thing, is just integrating blacks and whites everyone together into a real community yeah well and also he adopted native american yep. kids north uh, korean kids yeah i think three korean kids three right? korean kids how many kids did he have um, quite a few six or seven total he had, oh, right. he yeah had one biological one he was the first person in indiana first white family in indiana to adopt a black child three korean kids one native american one kid. native american they had kid. one biological kid and then they adopted a white son yeah. Yeah. S- seven. Eight. Yeah. Anyways, he was famously quoted saying, integration is a more personal thing for me now. It's a question of my son's future. Which and like that sense. is so powerful to say yeah. because like it's not, he just adopted this kid he's already like, it's my son. Like yeah. we need to get this figured out. Yeah. And it just, to me that's really powerful because like, Especially because he gave that son in particular his name, his yeah. Jim Jones Jr. Yeah. So he didn't give his and biological see, son. I really, I and I, I truly, I know that on some Reddit stuff I was looking up, it's argued that he was doing this to establish power. Yeah. Like he wasn't doing this just because he was a good guy. He was doing it. To there was always interior motives. Yeah. Which that can definitely be argued. But needless to say, from everything that I saw, he was a great father to these kids. Yeah. And that says a lot about, like, at least that side of his life. Yeah. So, 
from there, where did he go? Brazil. Brazil? He decided that he wanted to start expanding the People's Temple because it's doing well at this point. It really is. Yeah. Like, he has a pretty big um, congregation. Everything's going around well, going well. So he's wanted to expand, as you do with any church. Yeah. So he took the whole entire Rainbow family and skedaddled down to Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, oh, no, guys, going to Brazil. Yeah, he made his first trip to Ghana, which is the British colony where Jonestown actually is. We'll get back to that later. Um, everything just didn't really go well in Brazil kind of ran out of funds he wasn't getting the congregation that he wanted he thought it'd be a little bit easier um, and then he got in communication with his second-hand man or whatever it was back home and he was like yo it's not looking good like we're about to fall apart and jones was quoted saying something along the lines like he felt so guilt-ridden that you know he left the movements that were going on in indiana like he felt like he needed to go back um and this is where you kind of start wondering if he was doing these, doing and saying these things because he was a decent guy at this point or for ulterior motives because um, <laughs> instead of going back to Indiana, he decided that we're going to California. San Francisco. San Francisco. San Francisco. Um, he claimed that there was going to be a nuclear war in July 15th of 1967. Now, granted, there was a lot of fear right now because this is like Cold War era. Yeah. You know, USSR, communism's really bad. Like, you know, the, the classic Disney made the duck and cover. Yeah. Cover right. For nuclear war. Yeah. Yeah. And he pretty much said, hey, everyone in Indiana that's following the People's Temple, it's not safe there. But up here in Redwood, wherever it was they originally started, because they started in like a remote part of Northern California. And then went down to like San Fran and got bigger and bigger. Um, he brought everyone there. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's it's really weird because like he never really started spewing his communist beliefs in the People's Temple until this time period, and he started throwing in a little bit of stuff here and there to try and start spreading the message now when you think communists and stuff like spies during this time period you think like he's from russia and you know trying to convert americans into believing what the russians believe and that really is not the truth at least with him specifically he really just felt like karl marx was correct mm-hmm. and that this would be a better way of living than capitalism um and he does have some famous quotes basically saying like if you believe in capitalism you're evil yeah which in 2020 hits hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's starting to hit real hard. Um, but during the 60s and when everyone started moving up there, he started throwing in these ideas of like different levels of socialism and different levels of like basically wanting to remove capitalism from America. Yeah. I mean, that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. Um, he also taught that those who remained drugged with the opiate opiate opioid of religion had to be brought enlightenment which is socialism so if you are still like a christian catholic anything like that you're being drugged and you need to get out of that and the only way to fix that is socialism and they're like 
They're like, hmm, interesting. Hmm. I like your ideas, uh, funny man. You're right. Yeah. Jim Jones kind of looks like Elvis. A little bit. Yeah. I saw him a, a picture of him getting his reward, and I'm like, look at the fucking mind chops. <laughs> look at those mind chops. Yeah. He also said if you're born in capitalist America, racist America, fascist America, um, then you're born into sin. But if you're born into socialism, you're not. So he was teaching all these things in his sermons yeah. at the People's Temple. Um, and in the early 70s, this is where shit really starts getting wild. Um, he basically said, if you're following Christianity, you're fucking dumb. Yeah. You're doing things wrong. It was a flyaway religion, as he put it. Um, he rejected the Bible. Um, he thought it was a tool to oppress women and non-whites and denouncing a sky god who was no god at all. You know, I'm kind of I'm kind of liking his words so far. Listen. See, listen, if he didn't do what he did towards the end, this man is not that bad at the end. Now, he did get yeah. a little weird here for me. Yeah. Um, he wrote a book lit titled The Letter Killeth, criticizing the King James Bible. Hey, man, listen. We could talk religion on some podcasts, but all this shit to me, I'm like, hey, Hey, what's uh-huh. up? Yeah. Um, but then he was preaching that he was the reincarnation of Gandhi, Father Divine Jesus, Guatemala Buddha, and Vladimir Lenin. Um, <laughs> so that's probably not a good look. Yeah. And some of his simple members were saying that, I don't know, that type of stuff is just too much. It's, it's really rude. Um, he claimed... Or he started publicly saying to certain people that he was agnostic and an atheist, so he was against any, any like organized IMD. religion. Oh yeah, like, yeah. His atheist is anti-church pretty much, yeah. even though he's running the People's Temple. So it almost turned in like what the People's Temple was originally had completely switched into almost like this atheist movement mm-hmm. of people who just really hate capitalism. Which, if someone were to remake that in 2020, I have a feeling that it might be really popular. Yeah, that would be yeah. Uh, if there was like new, success. If there was a new Jim Jones that came up, it would be another right big yeah. hole. I feel like. Yeah. Um, in '77, he did an interview with New York Times. You have to remember that Jim Jones isn't just like a who was the Heaven's Gate leader. Oh, so Apple Bottom was the wife. Oh, let me. I have it right here. One second. Um, Those are the jeans. I think it was Apple White. <laughs> Apple, Apple White. Jeans. No, yeah, it was Apple White. Yeah. Something. Oh, what was it? I have because I, I pulled up the the biggest uh, yeah. mass suicides. He was um, more of a joke to people, where Jim Jones wasn't really a joke. People took him no. seriously. Because yeah. if you watched Heaven's Gate, his final recordings of his religion, and like his wide eyes, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Marshall Applewhite. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Apple White. Apple oh, White. is that the guy who like it, it was like televised and stuff like that? Yeah, no, like oh, yeah, okay. Heaven's Gate, yeah, because he, um, yeah, he was like the. Basically, we think that once his partner, his wife, uh, wife Marsha, was it Marsha? Yeah. Yeah. Marsh, so, Marsha Applewhite. Marsha, Marsha Applewhite. When she died, he just was, that was done. Crazy. I think that's what led to the suicide because he didn't want to live without her because she kind of was his. He was. She was the rational person. He. He. She was. She was like the, the leader almost. Like she he was. Looked yeah. Up, he looked yeah. up to her more. Yeah. Like. And, he, yeah. She. He gave the ideas and she followed through. And then once she died, he was like, "Let's go follow her." 
kind of attitude. That's why he came up with all those tapes to get all of his followers to the And he even said that, like, when they decided they were going to do the suicide, that the alien ship was coming and she was on. Yeah, like, she would be there to welcome them because yeah. she was already there. Because the other thing was, was, like, you know, really comment, there was a UFO behind it. Yeah. And, and like, that was the one that was going to come pick them up. Yeah. So that was their whole thing is, like, alien, like, we were from aliens in a way and they were going to come back and take us away before the mass extinction. Yeah, because we were all going to die and that their group was going to be the last ones to survive with the aliens because we are already in space. And the thing is that their thing was like, we don't die unless it's on that certain day, but because she died, they were like, oh, she's um, there to set us up for success. So that's why she had to go first. And that's why I think he panicked and... He's like, I, oh, oh. Yeah, because, uh, because, yeah, because I don't think he knew what to do without her. <laughs> yeah. Which honestly is like, kind of like a oh, love romance. Even though she was, um, we, the, the theories of, the funny thing is, the, the theories of how they met, they don't really know, but a lot of people theorize that he was a psych patient when she was a psychiatric nurse. Yeah. And when he got he out, they were. He some shit, and then she was like, this guy's not crazy. Yeah, and then, 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 they, then they started going together. You got that thick six, I'm taking them home. Yeah, because yeah, because she basically had a husband and kids and left them to go follow him and his teachings of Heaven's Gate. That's fucking wild. Yeah, so that's why I think it was like a ride or die situation, and that's why I yeah. think he couldn't live without her because obviously I think she was kind of like his nurse on like taking care of him and like organizing everything. Um, that when she died, he was like, let's follow her. Now for like, listeners who are like, wow, you guys know a lot about Heaven's Gate, Cole. Well, guess what? We did a full episode on it, so go check it out on our YouTube or other platforms. Yes. I do think that my favorite part about their Heaven's Gate Cole thing is them yeah. saying that Jesus was just an alien. Yeah. That was my lit. favorite part because it actually, <laughs> in a weird way, like it made more sense in the actual reality that we're supposed to believe. But oh, yeah. Here's the thing. Here's shouts the, out on that. Here's the fucked up thing about Heaven's Gate. When they kind of like recreated the Bible, it fucking made more sense than the yeah. actual Bible. That Jesus was an alien that came down on Earth, and that's why he was able to resurrect because he wasn't fully human because he was an alien. That's and like all this bullshit that like as to what religion is and like the origins and like all the stories and like it all being connected towards like and someone like basically I they don't, I don't think they went into detail of how they impregnated Mary Magdalene, but like it was like. It was like a probing kind yeah. of situation. Like that's what makes sense. That she, that's like, what they hinted at. That she wasn't like it wasn't immaculate conception. It was like these aliens world. came down and was like, yeah. hey, hey. Fun well, fact: they were really huge science fiction nerds. Yeah, weird. No, if you what? Could, um, we would have that. Crazy. They would, they, they, it was said in their early relationship they would hang out and like read sci-fi and fantasy and shit. That's kind of cute. Yeah, it's way cute. They were fucking. They would be that Little couple nerds. on TikTok that are so cringy, but you're like, they really are in love. It's like those, that one TikTok couple that lived in their car for a hot minute. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. They had places like at home to live that their parents just wouldn't let them, let them live in the same bed, so they just, so they just shared a car. To yeah. Live in a car but, um, but yeah, so Heaven's Gate. Very interesting. Yeah, Marshall Applewhite. Yes. Now, there's a lot of stuff here where um, Jim Jones starts basically just demantling religion, saying how like he used religion to show how brainwashed it is and how he was able to brainwash all these followers through it and he's actually trying to get them to understand how bad religion is uh, more things that are kind of like you know maybe we should think about that more in 2020 but within five years of 
moving to California, the temple had seen huge growth. Like, it was booming. Like, people's temple was great. People are just like... It kind of reminds me of that guy who's out in Texas. I don't remember his name. Who is just raking in millions and millions of dollars a year doing those big stadium... Oh! I know who you're talking about. Um... Is that the one that's selling like the silver that like this is the COVID virus? Yeah. It's how you get rid of it. Spreading the silver shit in your yeah. mouth. And then he's like, oh, ah. yeah. 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 It really yeah. seems a lot like Jim Jones, just minus like religion bashing and comedy. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. how it seems like Jim Jones handles himself. Um, so at this point in time, he decided to move his temple headquarters to San Francisco, which is going to be a big thing. And this is where the story starts getting really interesting to me yeah. because he becomes San like. Francisco. He, like, infiltrates the political parties in yeah. San Francisco. Um, and what that does is that plays a huge role. So, basically, him and some of his other people go down to San Francisco, get involved in the politics, get so deep into it that they actually help get this guy elected. Um, I don't know if I made... George Moscona? Moscone. He became... They Moscone. helped him became become mayor and in return they appointed jones chairman of san francisco housing authority commission which is a really big deal considering they then had a compound right well not only that but this now put jim jones not just as this you know religious leader as as type but he now had the ability to contact other powerful politicians and this is where it comes into play where he met up with vice presidential candidate Walter Mondale um, Walter. where after their meeting this Walter guy was so impressed with Jim Jones he publicly said like people's temples kind of the shit and he's like yeah they're, yeah. they're pretty um, cool and then he was able to have multiple meetings with first lady Rosalind Carter uh-huh. which who was the first lady that was known taking a picture with, um, Pogo the Clown, um, John Wayne? John Wayne. There was, I, I think that was Jimmy Carter's wife as well. She was busy. She, she was busy. did shit. So sure. it's funny because this just means that Jimmy Carter's wife has met more notorious serial killers than like a lot of people because yeah. there's a picture. Because I was, I, I sent a picture to Wes and I was like I thought this was his wife this is the first lady yeah. not his wife I was like she kind of cute that's right. ugly. she, she kind of cute though yeah. and I was like damn he really pulled that and I was like that's a fucking first lady uh, yeah wait, wait a minute wait yeah wait. no yeah you're right because it's yeah Jim, he, yes. was, he was also so into the politics he was into he, politics because he was that's because when they would do like you know the rounds like when they would oh, have to yeah. actually campaign a lot yeah. he'd be involved yeah he would um John Wayne Gates was really into politics and has a picture with the first lady what? which is so fucking like I don't know I think it's hilarious but kind of terrifying because you imagine being the first lady and meeting all these notorious oh my killers God. I'd be like like mm. what are you doing Miss Carter now there he had multiple meetings with really powerful people yeah and like one of the ones that is always quoted is he was had a they went to like a dinner or something where a couple of the attendants were Governor Jerry Brown and Lieutenant Governor. Mervyn Dimali, which you guys can do research on them. I don't know anything about them. But at that dinner, um, the governor, Jerry Brown, um, was quoted saying um, that Jim Jones is a person that when you wake up, you should see yourself in him like every morning. Like he's that great of a person. Like you should strive to be him. 
um, and said he was a combination of Martin Luther King Jr., Angela Davis, Albert Einstein, and Mao Mao Se-young, which is just crazy. Like, they're just basically saying he is a, like... He's a god. He's the greatest. Yeah. Um, Harvey Milk, if you guys ever watch Milk, he spoke to uh, audience during uh, political rallies held at the temple. Um, And he wrote that Jones, after one such visit, Jones hosted local political figures. So, like... He was also kind of in the, the the LGBTQ like early yeah. early on movements with Harvey Milk. Like the guy was, he was doing shit. Yeah, he was, he was doing all the thing that's so sad about this situation is he was doing so many good things for the world mm-hmm. in the sense of like racial LGBTQ, all the good stuff. If only he wasn't kind of fucking wild. Yeah. yeah. Didn't have such a weird complex. Like a god complex. And there's a lot of detail during this time. Like moves that he was making politically to try and like basically make people realize like maybe the people's temple was the shit. Yeah. Um, so this is where it kind of... Gets a little... Yeah, it gets a little weird. So... The, the move to San Francisco was great, um, but it also brought a lot of media scrutiny because, like, you know, you can't be a communist in America in the 70s. No, yeah. And people were starting to be like, okay, well, this guy's doing all this great stuff, but he's also a fucking communist. Yeah, yeah. Um, Goddamn uh, He <laughs> He had a bunch of articles written about him that were pretty negative. And in the summer of 1977, Jones and several hundred Temple members abruptly decided to move to the temple's compound in Ghana after they learned the contents of some article which included allegations of formal temple members that were physically, emotionally, and sexually abused. Um, so, like, basically they got outed for doing some really shitty shit. Yeah, and then they're like, really oh, shitty. leave the country. Yeah. Um, and then Jones named that settlement Jonestown after himself, as yeah. he did. And yeah. this is where you start getting into... That crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is where you get into why this is famous. Yeah. Infamous, yeah. I guess you could say. Um, it, he basically moved... He went to Jonestown and wanted to make the perfect, you know, socialist paradise. Yeah. Because even his wife, um, his wife was quoted... Because the thing is with Jonestown, why he like would hype it up is because they had female church members, like leaders. Uh-huh. So like they had female leaders, any ethnicity leaders. But his wife, I just want to like kind of quote what his wife thought, like why she was kind of like a fucking ride or die. Some of these co-leaders have fucking ride or dies. Yeah. Um, yeah what's up with that? Because she was described as <laughs> right. Yeah. Where can I find mine? No. <laughs> Um, but she described Jones. We need to make a cold. Sorry. No, you're good. I'm like, I'm just saying. But um, she described Jonestown as dedicated to live for socialism, total economic and racial and social equality. We are living, we are living communally, um, and basically um, claims that can't rave enough about us, the wonderful things we do, the project, and the model of socialism. And they even had like their own kind of paper yep. and um, the actual the um, 
the the leader of the newspaper was actually a woman who quoted the people who are incredible people who are capable of committing themselves to something outside of their own selves we are all of us were doing the right things but in the wrong place with the wrong leader she was well later quoted to say later but she even quoted that they were living like kind of like living their best life in a way like they were doing everything possible to live outside of the social norms and to give equality to everyone in that compound which sounds pretty lit granted the compound was what then um armed guards, uh, manual labor all day longs with not really any benefits, which if you're you're a communist, doesn't matter. Because that's some capitalist shit if you want benefits. Right. But, um, but yeah, so like, even his wife is quoted saying that they were living a socialist life with, like, like, socialist views that, like, Anybody can be anybody here. Almost. Well, they, he he said that the people who were there were the purest communists. Like that was what comprised the members of Jonestown yeah. were just the purest communists. But the problem was is he didn't allow people to leave. No, that's when once it's, you were there, start, you were there. And also too, if you were to, I think they confiscated people's passports, so you like literally could couldn't leave if you were out of the country you couldn't leave because you didn't have your identification um if you wanted to send letters outside of the commune you had to have it was like kind of like a little bit like prison where they wouldn't censor anything so if you wanted to say oh my god this place is hell would you please pick me up they would basically like white out everything and be like i'm having a great time thank you right kind of idea so like they would censor any kind of letters and like you couldn't really communicate to the outside world towards the end right and some of the things like so it was kind of public knowledge like it was becoming public knowledge that he was a drug addict um, they, there's not I couldn't find anything on what I imagine 70s I'm sure coke and you know the fun stuff yeah. and uh, even before he left he was pretty like he was known for breaking down a lot of walls for you know segregation and even 68% of his Jonestown were black Americans. Yeah. So, like, it, he did a lot for helping break down walls, oh, even yeah. regardless of, you know, if he did, was a drug addict or whatnot. Um, but Jones started talking about this new idea called translation, which is where we start getting into the real cult-like behavior. Um, so once they were going to get into Jamestown... Um, him, Jonestown. Jonestown, his followers and himself would all die together and move to another planet and live blissfully. That was the idea. Taking a lot of kind of things out of, you know, Heaven's Gate. What was the time frame? There's similar um, times. Let me look it up. I have it literally right here. Did so they have Nike Air Dunks instead of just the normal <laughs> like, I wish. Um, so People's Temple was around the 70s, 80s. Heaven's Gate was. 90s, early oh, 2000s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which is just, crazy to think that there was like this yeah. reason, yeah. Well, yeah, because you would think you would know Jonestown and then follow the exact same pa- pattern, yeah, essentially, yeah. But then again, I mean, during the, I guess anything before and the internet, I would say is Black Sheet Heaven's Gate got big because of the internet. Sorry, let me rephrase. Yeah, I am a true crime nerd, big fan. But 
um, kind of before that you had a lot of pamphlets and things like that. You yeah. didn't really have the educational internet to help you out. But even then, with having skates, the internet was just new, so that's why they have the website still to this day where you can buy books. Huh. But, what were you going to Oh, have you seen that TikTok recently where somebody was talking, you know, of those posters that are everywhere, like in schools, just any, like, public place they put it? Yeah. Um, it's like the Shenyan, like, the, like, dance thing, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. With, like, all that. Apparently, that is actually just a recruitment thing for a communist cult. What? Yeah. Yeah. The like the Shenyan or whatever that is. Let me. Oh, you know I think about? that was on. I think either Nexpo or one of those guys did a pretty big deep dive on that. Um, they tried calling all the numbers that were on those folders, and like it almost seemed like it was a. There was some weird shit. Yeah, there was sure. something going on. But someone on. tried to remake it as well, just for publicity. Uh, yeah. Since I've talked about The original time, one, though, was like yeah. some shady shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the thing is like during this time with um, without the internet, pamphlets, flyers, yeah. and things like that were like a big thing. And then even with the internet coming on, I mean, Heaven's Gate, they still had um, pamphlets and then they made their website. And that's where you can buy books. You can still to this day buy a Heaven's Gate book about how to join the religion and what their meaning is. I want to get it. I know, like, I really do, but, like, I'm also nervous that, like, I'm going to buy it and somehow, like, the FBI is going to be like, what the fuck are you doing here? What are you doing? But, like, I know that's not what's going to happen. I want to buy it and go get it signed by the dude who didn't kill himself that day. There was actually a few that didn't, so yeah. like there's some survivors. Are there some survivors of Jonestown? Or yeah, because yeah, that's that's where we got the quote of the lady saying that it was a great place, yeah. it's just the wrong leader. Because she was, I think, because I, I think there's like you can somewhat leave or somehow got away. Like there had to be some like it's like either you got yeah. so sick you had to go to a hospital. Like they're not gonna like keep you that deep. But the thing is oh, like it was special permission. Or but something. it was also like a this is a commune, your house is here, why would you wanna leave kind of attitude. Yeah. So unless she was like had a job outside of the commune to bring income for everyone in kind of attitude. Is like, I assume because like the thing is we'll talk about like what happened during the mass suicide um, in a minute. But yeah, so Basically, some people did survive. That's why we have some like in depth as to what was going on inside of the compound because it was heavily guarded and people outsiders couldn't come in and see what was going on yeah. unless you were joining kind of attitude. And during that time, with like, because like now with the internet, if you saw like, oh, there's a commune and we can like go and visit kind of attitude, people would go and visit it mm-hmm. and then they would put up a front, kind of like how North Korea does now. When they let true, I'm so, like, am I wrong? <laughs> yeah, when they yeah. let tourists in and they have yeah. all that fake fruit and all those fake sit fan, like all those basically fake yeah. people. Because they hire, they also hire people to like cry at, um, like what what was that leader? The leader who died and everything. They literally hired some people to like cry for a funeral. Yeah, like they, they had actors. Yeah, like that's what North Korea does. So people don't really know what's going on in North Korea, and like you're only getting what they want to show you because yeah. there's no way to actually film and when you are able to film you can only film certain areas because it's all pretending so i think that's what's different about 
this time period and with Jonestown, you don't have like people on the internet going, oh, I kind of want to go visit this and see what's going on. Like Area yeah. 51, everyone got fucking. I think there was actually big. more publicity for this than a lot of things because, like, yeah. Jim Jones was such a character and he was on TV. Like, so, like, there's a lot of stuff that happens even from like the start of them being in Jonestown to like the eventual mass suicide. Like, he basically wanted, like, he started getting scrutinized all like almost all of his political ties broke broke with they broke ties with jim jones because they're like he did all this crazy shit starting to surface he moved to ghana like he's like going crazy um he had a couple supporters still actually harvey milk was a person who wrote saying like he's a great person like you guys are just trying to scrutinize him because he's you know trying to help the causes and different things like that um he basically wanted to somehow fix his reputation and come back to America. Well, it, it didn't work. It didn't yeah. pan out. Um, and as a matter of fact, there was something known as the Port Katamar or Katauma airstrip shootings. And basically, what happened is those armed guards that we talked about at Jonestown yeah. um, ended up shooting five people who were coming to do like. A report on Jonestown, like oh, yeah, I actually yeah, there and there's a lot of detail on it, and yeah. you know this episode's getting kind of long, so I'm gonna have to spare some of it, um, just for but just for the sake of it, um, they ended up killing five people total, um, and this pretty much just put the stamp on like kind of Jim Jones oh. not ever being able to come back. No, like, you can't come back from killing people yeah. for no reason. And they were, like, not just NBC reporter, NBC, cam- NBC cameraman, San Francisco examiner, photographer, um, and then a Temple member who was trying to leave. Um, and then there was people who survived the attack. So, like, it was it was a big deal. It wasn't just, like, yeah. hey, yeah. like... But this is when we start getting into the suicide itself. Yeah. was after this, because now Jim Jones doesn't really... Don't, they don't know if he was happy there or not. Like, he still no. kind of wanted to come to America, but I think this was just kind of like, he's done at this point. Like, he's done so much, and yeah. maybe he just wants to be over. He's like, um, So let's see here. Let me get my dates right here. Just so I make sure that I'm correct with everything. Um... So I believe the same day, and don't quote me on that because I'm not 100% sure, the same day as that shooting that took place, the 909 inhabitants of Jonestown, 304 of them, which were children, died of an apparent um, cyanide poisoning, mostly in and around the settlement's main pavilion. Yeah. Um. And this is the greatest single loss of American civilian life um, from murder-suicide. Though not on American soil, but they were still American citizens. Yeah. Um, and that, in a deliberate act, until the 9-11 attacks. Yeah. Dang. But, so basically, what happened was they kind of collected everybody, made the Kool-Aid, 
I think that's why they use grape Kool-Aid, the purple Kool-Aid, because it, it kind of, flavor. it had the flavor that yeah. masked the cyanide. Um, but basically what happened was, is they made everyone drink the Kool-Aid and when people were starting to, you know, die, um, they then held to gunpoint, you had to drink the Kool-Aid. So even if you didn't want to drink the Kool-Aid, you had to because they had guns to your head. So whether you got shot or you drank the Kool-Aid, which... I don't know what would be better, drinking cyanide or getting shot in the head. I feel like getting shot in the head, but I feel like that initial fear is I would just rather drink it. Yeah. And hope, like, cause I think like when you're drinking it, you like, you would have that like split, like, oh, maybe I live. Yeah. But you know you're not. But like, it's kind of like, you know, one or the other. Pick your poison, I guess. Um, um so there is, which, um, for some of you who want to, there is a 45 minute audio clip. What? From him talking about like someone was recording or he was recording basically he told his temple members that the soviet union who i guess he was trying to get in talks with for taking them yeah um they said after the airstrip shootings that they weren't going to whether or not he was in talks with the soviet union i don't know um and this was like the main reason like saying like well he told his members that the u.s was going to airdrop in troops to kill us and torture all of our kids. Yeah. Like, he did a really good job of basically saying, like, hey... Um, we have to die. Yeah, even quoted saying they're gonna shoot our innocent babies. Like, just a whole bunch of shit. Um, he explained how in fascism, like, suicide's okay. Like, this is why it's okay. It... <sighs> Obviously, there's arguing, and kind of what you said, like, you kind of have one option or the other. At that point. It's just... I think, for me, it was one of those things where he knew at that point in time, like, if he if he was either going to die mm-hmm. by the U.S. actually coming down here and shutting him down, especially if they wanted to fight back, like, he was going to die that way. Yeah. Or he was going to get captured and put in prison for the rest of his life. Yeah. So I think like, he was yeah. just like, Y'all ain't taking me. And as someone who is who craves attention like he does, mm-hmm. what's the biggest way to have attention for the rest of your life? The biggest mass murder suicide. Yeah. I mean he did a good job at it apparently. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also too, um with that happening, I actually saved this little fact from his childhood to bring up to this point. So basically once they made everyone drink the purple Kool-Aid and it was time for Jones and his wife to go, there's a theory that either Jones shot himself or his wife shot him and then shot herself. Because obviously they killed, they died together. Yeah. But I think it's very interesting to bring up now, now that we know that once he basically... He basically arranged the biggest mass suicide known in history. Yeah. Um, he, as a child, was actually very fascinated with Adolf Hitler in the sense that when it came time for us to capture Hitler and, you know, put him yeah. up to what he, you know, give justice for what he's done, mm-hmm. he instead killed himself. And people, or a friend of his, was like quoted saying that. James or Jones was so fascinated with the fact that instead of letting him get captured, he killed himself instead. 
So I think that brings up a really good point as to why Jones killed himself instead of letting himself get captured. And it's also very interesting to think that he was very fascinated with Hitler's idea of instead of taking accountability for what he's done, he just killed himself instead. Yeah, I mean, he was a big studier of Hitler. We didn't have friends. Well, he he studied Hitler all throughout his life specifically Mm -hmm. because of Hitler's able, ability to control people, so... Yeah, I don't know if he would consider looking up to Hitler if he looked up to Hitler, because he... Probably not, because Hitler only liked... Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is he wasn't... Race. Jim Jones was definitely not racist, unless he was hiding, like, unless he was pretending this whole time. Like it was a secret ploy. But it definitely I don't, was very Hitler-like. I don't think he liked Hitler's ideas, except the communist ideas. I think he just liked the idea of being able to control a whole country into then creating a world war kind of mentality, and then when it comes to the final clutch, taking your life instead of being taken by the enemy kind of idea. I think he was more fascinated by that than his I don't think he liked his uh, Hitler's ideals, except the communist ideals. I don't think he had anything to do with race. So I don't think he was faking it. Because the way he expressed love and how he did all that he did for the community, you can't fake that much stuff. Especially going to a hospital where you're putting the wrong wing at the time. Oh, yeah. And then being like, no, fuck you guys. I'm actually going to take better care of these patients than you will because of your racist tendencies. I don't think he could fake that. I think him just really liking that ideal of controlling an entire nation and then instead of being captured by the enemy, killing yourself. So I think that's why I didn't bring up the Hitler part until now because I think that's a very monumental thing as to why when Jonestown was going under, he then created the mass suicide and then killed himself. Yeah, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. That's my theory. I like it. Theory? It's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. But yeah. But I think also, too, um, a fun thing we didn't talk about, because I didn't realize until now, is... Um, a lot of, like, a real big reason why he also then kind of pushed for the mass suicide is because he was getting a lot of heat from the court system yeah. because Jones had sex with one of his members because he was not faithful to his wife. So his wife was a ride or die, but Jones was not faithful. He actually had a son with one of the members, and the member's wife and husband actually left the commune because they realized they were in a bad state and they were like, they were like, this is fucked up. Yeah. And they obviously, um, that's where um, Jones' youngest son, John Victor's, because um, Jones claimed to be the father, father, and then they found out that Jones was the actual father of Jones, like John. Um, and she, basically, um, she left with her son fearing um, his life and her life they left the church and then they so John the dad the mom and dad left and then they came back to get the son and that's what they were trying to go through the US legal system but because they were in a different country it didn't work so they actually came back to get their son back so that's where um, Jim Jones's youngest son came from is actually one of the church members and that's also why they were getting a lot of heat is because it was like hold on, this guy's a communist and he's having multiple babies with members? Yeah, with all these like, people. that's like a very cult-like tendency. Well, yeah, because they said that they weren't supposed to be having 
having sex. Yeah. So they weren't supposed to be having, they were supposed to be having sex. Oh. So that's also, I think, what kind of helped push the mass suicide was the court systems getting involved and being like, oh, excuse me, sir, you had sex with one of your members and created a son, and now the parents want them back, but you won't give it up because it's technically your son. And that's when, like, the fight would happen. And I think that's what kind of helped led to all of it. I do think that there is a lot, like, a lot of people do talk about his sexuality. Yeah. Um, because it was known that he was having sex with his female and male members. And, like, there just becomes a point in time when they, like, in that situation where people start going, like, whoa, why is he allowed to do that? But I'm not. Aren't we all supposed to be the same thing here? Like... I, I think the reality is, is like, originally, like, before all the crazy shit in California, he may have had, like, a very successful thing, but I think that it was just, he could see how it was going to fall apart. Especially if he was on, if he was doing drugs, too, like. Yeah. It's not like a quick kind of scapegoat that he was yeah. kind of like. Well, the, yeah. the, the shooting thing happened, whether or not he made that call or not, but, like, who's going to be responsible for those five deaths? Yeah, that's all I really have for uh, good old Jim Jones and the Jonestown suicide. Good old Jimmy Jones. I think um, one of my fun facts for the uh, the day is they actually had a pet chim- chim- chimpanzee on site. What? Named what? Mr. Muggs. That would have been my selling point. Yeah, I'd have yeah. been like, what pet chim- chimpanzee? I'm down. I'm yeah. in. Sign me up. Yeah, because apparently, all the way. Well, cause apparently they got this chimpanzee because Jones saved him from scientific... Um, research with experiments so they like he like he rescued this chimpanzee so that's where um um the monkey came from so yeah they had a chimpanzee on site so fun fact cool. yeah. did the chimpanzee end up dying along with them they're like we gotta take the straight fucking <laughs> Drake, come here monkey come here monkey fucking got it oh no did he no they, they basically shot him on site what, when the military? Group? No, basically when they were doing the mass shootings, the chimpanzee was one of them that had to go. <laughs> so they did, they did take him with them. So the last day, they killed the chimpanzee. After I mean, they were going through everybody else, making sure everyone died, they killed the chimpanzee. chimpanzee so they death. even, like, checked everybody yeah. to well, make no, sure yeah, they were dead. It, it was basically the same, they basically did the kind of like the same, from what my understanding is, they kind of did the same thing with um, People's Temple, or Heaven's Gate, sorry. Um, where they had a couple last survivors and then they just made sure those everyone died and then they killed themselves so they just basically made sure everybody in the comp that's why because like at first it was like everyone drank the purple kool-aid and then everyone just got shot if they didn't drink it and then from there they just checked everything killed everybody killed themselves and then there was no one else left alive but yeah so even the last oh sorry last day they killed the chimpanzee which i'm like what's so sad what does he do first of all my thing is Mr. Muggs does not deserve that. Second of all, <laughs> Mr. Muggs. <laughs> but like, you save this chimpanzee only to kill. I guess like you know, yeah. gotta have a homie in heaven. Yeah, I guess so. But um, yeah, do you think Harambe and Mr. Muggs are now today? Yeah, they're buddies. Yeah, for sure. But to also expand on your on the the sense that people thought that um, maybe that Jim Jones was hetero, like or bisexual, I guess you would say. We stand a bi king. <laughs> we stand by the bi king. Is that he didn't really like, like you said, he didn't like relationships between people in the church. 
but he also had relations with people in or out of it. Yeah. But he was also caught on drugs. Yeah. Out of like like a basically like a you know the, the porn theaters that they used to have. Yeah, Schmeeton is me. He was yeah no he was having relations with somebody. Oh at was a theater. he? That's why oh, he got fuck. um he got arrested for a little bit. Just I know he had indecent exposure, but I thought it was just him in a just theater him jacking just jacking off. It might have been just the theater jacking off, but from what I read on Rolling Stones, I don't know how... I trust them because they have, like, some really good facts. Or, like, fun facts. I know that he got charged with indecent exposure. I just don't know what. I think he he was at, like, one of those things, and I think he was either with a man, I'm pretty sure. That's such a weird thing to think about, is there used to be theaters where you could go watch porn and just fucking beat your meat. Right? And it, it was, like, kind of acceptable to do that. Yeah. Like everyone in there, like it was either like, like it was either one of those things where you look around and be like, that's what they all we say. all gonna like, we all gonna start doing like, something, uh, or am I just gonna shmeet my meat here? For yeah. A while? Are we just gonna like not make eye contact, but we're all aware? Do you ever? Do you watch? Do you watch old films? Yeah. Like oldish films. Yeah. What's the one with Robert De Niro's first movie? Oh. Um. The taxi. Taxi driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was a weird one because he fucking took a date to a porn film. Oh, yeah! Because yeah. he just was like, oh, yeah, I'll just go see that. Because he didn't realize it was, like, weird. He was like, huh, yeah, it's whatever. It's whatever. I can't fathom the idea of being, like, Friday night. I'm like, I'm going to see a porn, porn movie film. in the theater. You know, a part of me wishes that, like, that was still a thing. Because I kind of want to go just check it out. I think it'd be funny for, like, a, I don't know, like a, like a joke thing. Bachelor party. There you go. Oh. <laughs> be like, all right, fellas, climb the party bus. We're going somewhere crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I would just be more worried about like, okay, if we could take over the theater and do it, that's one thing. But like, I ain't ready for like six foot seven Ed Kemper to come in there and start fucking really? like decapitating the young women in the group. Oh my god. <laughs> like, I just have it like, no offense to anyone. Like, I'm sure there's still porn theaters out there, but like, yeah, I'm sure if that's your hangout on a weekend. Probably not an ideal person to be around. Because I didn't know that they had a porn... What? What is it? What? Not a porn theater. A porn arcade. Whoa. Is that what it's called? Where can I go yeah. see that? Yeah. They have that. Okay, <laughs> if you guys uh, want to go subscribe to the Top Shelfers Patreon, there's a series called The Sex Shop Chronicles. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. it is from somebody who worked at a sex toy porn store that also had the arcade. Had the porn arcade. And boy, let me tell you what, some of them stories were uh, pretty interesting. I just feel bad because she talked about how there was a janitor. You gotta pay me a lot of money. Ew. A lot of money. Seven yeah. figures. Yeah. That's a lot of fucking... Yeah. yeah. You know, one thing that I think that they should normalize here is, you know how in Japan they have those love hotels that are literally so dope? Yeah. Why don't they have those here? And you can get them for like, you know, just like a few hours. Yeah. And I'm like, what if I just want to go in and hang they out? They used like to have cake? stuff like that here, but now... Not in Utah. I mean, in San Antonio, Texas, you can rent a hotel for an hour. They, they have, have stuff over. like that in a lot of cities, but the problem is, is like, since prostitution, sex yeah. work is still illegal, oh, they yeah. all think that that's just all that's going to attract. Mm-hmm. But, like, 
Man, how much money I would have saved if I didn't have to buy a whole fucking night. For real. Yeah. Yeah. And like it the thing does. is, is I'm like, also, this is just me saying, what if I want to take a nap for an hour, but I don't have time to go home. Right. 20 bucks yeah. and you go take a power nap. You can have like a stuffed animal room. You can have yeah. multiple themes. I really, when we went to Japan, I really, really wanted to go to one of those. You know, I don't know why we didn't, because the thing is, when we went to Japan, we went as two couples. Like, I don't know why we, like, I know it sounds like a little TMI. They didn't, they didn't want to go. And then weren't we talking? We're like, we'll just get one. Yeah. Screw you. Because, yeah. Well, not that trip was a little awkward because I was planning on date, uh, breaking up with the guy I was seeing at the time. Yeah. We almost broke up in Japan. I mean, you tried to, and he was like, please no. <laughs> please say JK. <laughs> and I was like, since we're in Japan, I'll say JK. And then we flew oh back, God. and when we woke up that morning, I was like, I didn't mean JK. I didn't bitch. mean JK. That's some savage. Okay, to be honest. Why didn't you just uninvite him? He kind of uh, planned the entire thing. Yeah. So we kind of needed him. But at the end, we didn't need him. Me and Cass got around better than them. To give an example, this was the this was the next morning is when I was done. I was we were done that morning. Is that night we went to this restaurant and him and Nate got so belligerently drunk that they were just a little unmanageable. And I also had walking pneumonia at this time as well. Yeah, so Cass was just not having a good time. Yeah. Why did you walking pneumonia? Yeah, so like the fluid in my lungs and all that stuff. She found out she had walking pneumonia. Pneumonia. Yeah. yeah. But. That's shit. (laughs) If you. You're, okay, so get this. You're with someone for two plus years. Two years. Two years to be exact. Yeah. We just had our anniversary a month before. We're paying at this restaurant, and in Japan, they have a lot of like cash-only places, yeah. especially not like the very popular cities. So at the time, it was Nate had to use the restroom, so it was three of us. And he ended up walking out, and somebody go to the bathroom accidentally. It was hilarious. Yeah, he like he's like, I missed a whole long while I was gone. <laughs> so at the time, I only had enough to cover myself. Yeah. Him and Cass only had $50, basically, because 100 yen was a dollar. Yeah. So they had $50 each. The total was like $110. Yeah. I was, and they didn't have any change. They only had 50s. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was like, okay, what we'll do is you both put your 50s in, I'll put it at 10, and then me and Nate will give you guys the spread. Yeah. And he was like, no, I want to know where the money's going. And basically was like, no, I'm not going to do that because I need to know that you guys aren't, like, I'm gonna get my money back. And I was like, I am your girlfriend of two years. I thought you, you you guys were trying to fucking scam them for like 20 bucks? And then, and then, like, we finally get it settled where Cass basically puts down a hundred dollars. Yeah, no, I literally was just like... She basically paid the whole thing. (laughs) Screw you. And I, then we all had to pay her back because Mm -hmm. he just wouldn't give up a fifty dollars. And then we get back to, like, the, 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 the... What the subway basically? It's <laughs> fire me up. I was a little yeah. like hungover at the beginning, and now I'm like fiery, Did ready to roll. No, no, this was the kicker. This was the kicker. Is the we 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 got to the train station, and we were trying to talk it out because Nate's like, okay, explain to me exactly what's going on. I will be the third party because I wasn't involved, and he literally was like, well, I just want to make sure that I wasn't getting scammed by these two. I was like, your girlfriend of two years and you're supposed to be second, like one of your best friends is going to scam you yeah. out of $25. Because like, also the thing is, it's like, it wasn't like, was I wasn't it? close with him either. Like, I was really close with him. We spent almost all of our time, like. Yeah, because but the thing we is, were we like, were best friends uh-huh. and that was my boyfriend and all four of us would hang out 
You should have just robbed his ass in Japan. Really the, sent a message. The thing is, it was so fucking stupid. It was like, I'm your girlfriend of two years, and you think that I'm going to scam you because you're drunk? Mm-hmm. You don't think that I love you enough to not do that? Like, what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> and so, basically. Brought you back, Bill. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Ready to throw some hands. Yeah, I was like. L- little tangent. As to why you understand why I tried yeah. to break up with him in the middle of Japan. And then I was like, fuck it. Was he like that here. normally? Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of. He, I didn't realize when he drinks. When he drinks, he's that bad. Yeah. And I didn't like. I knew that, but like, I didn't realize that he thought that I would take advantage of him yeah. while he's drunk, and that was my last straw. Like, I was already yeah. planning on breaking up with him, but the fact that he doesn't trust me when he's drunk, even though that Cass was the one that cleaned up his rice vomit. What? Yeah, I literally had to take care of him like a little baby because he didn't know how to do anything, and uh, because he was like. Passed out. We had to drag him out of the room. <laughs> drag him out. I had to go, all right, arms up. And he's like, and I had to like take off his shirt, go put it in the wash. I made sure to hang it up to dry because it was a special shirt. Because I was like, hey, because she also had to wash her clothes because she got puke on them. <laughs> yeah, there's some real MVPs. Like, I give you that. Because, like, no. so, yeah. like, I don't drink heavy, so I don't ever have to be taken care of. Yeah. Because I just don't like. That's ridiculous. But, like, I don't know. I also don't have that kind of patience. Because I've had some friends who, like, get belligerently drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I usually do one of these. I'm like, well, you guys have a great evening. Yes. Good luck. Later. It's like, there's a point in time, like, I get, like, if it was, like, my significant other, I guess that's yeah. a little different. Yeah, you should take care of your significant other. Yeah. yeah. But, like, there's a point in time where it's, like, if I give, like, my significant other, like, a warning, like, hey, listen, you're, like... You're too much. You're, like, two or three away from being unbearable. Yeah. And they continue. I guess they're going to have to find their own way home. Because, <laughs> like... Yeah. You got to listen to the people around you. Yeah, but the, the thing is, you're with someone for two years, and you don't trust them with your money when you're drunk. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And then, and then, that same night, yeah. he was all... So he was, like, he said all that stuff. Holly starts to cry. Oh. And it's like, I'm super sad. And it's like, screw you. You're kind of an asshole. Like, I don't cry often. Yeah. And when I do, it means I'm at my breaking point and mm-hmm. that you fucked up and yeah. that we need to fix something. And he still was like, no, fuck you guys. I was in the right. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And so basically. We went on the women's only train. Ooh, in Japan. Smells the subway, so nice. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The, 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 the segways and stuff aren't that bad. Oh, mm-hmm. but the women's only. You don't have to worry about anyone looking up your skirt or touching you. Everyone has a, a seat. They do cool. it during um, like the night hours. That's good because I know that the groping mm-hmm. stuff on trains during the day yeah. is really yeah. bad. But oh, it was. It, was it literally smelled like roses, but I think I might have been also like just a little too sad to realize. But I was like, "This is amazing! This is amazing!" <laughs> this is amazing. There was like some quiet chatter going on, Aww. and it was just like, and everyone had a seat, and it was funny because we could see them in the group one, and we could just see them standing like, yeah, squished <laughs> together. Oh man! And, and then they also didn't believe, um, because I was like, "All right, so we need to get off here, and then like mm-hmm. do this." Um, her ex was like no, you guys don't know how to do it. That's wrong. We're getting off here. And I'm like, because go we were, ahead. Since we were also in different trains, we were trying to communicate yeah. because technically you can't use your phone on this train. It's not proper etiquette to use your phone. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we were trying not to use our phones 
And so they got off on the wrong one. And they called us. They're like, where are you guys? We're like, we're still on the train. Then exit with the next one. Yeah. Basically being like, where the fuck are you guys going? No. And they were literally like, um, well, Nate at first was kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, we should get back on. But then her ex was so determined that I wasn't right. Um, and that I didn't know how to is do it. Is he still drunk at this time, or is this a difference? This no, is this is the same. The, this same is the guy. Line. He's like, no. They we're not doing that. Going. They don't know where they're going. We're going on, like, this different line, and that's how we get home. We got home instantly. They took so long that they ended up needing to get a cab back. Because the train's closed. Yeah. They took so many wrong ones that they had to take a cab how back. How bad did you just want to fuck it? Oh, I just want so oh, pissed. it was so pissed because then they called us like they're like, "Oh my god, where are you guys?" They were like, "We've been here for thirty minutes." We're fucking yeah. chillaxing. Yeah, we're like, we're ready for bed, like yeah. just hanging out, dude. Yeah. yeah. He was very, uh, he was very misogynistic because uh, yeah. he also, mm. um, we, uh, that also pissed me off. Can we out him? No, no, I don't. I don't know. I don't. See, the thing is, like, I don't care enough about him. Yeah. But the group he hangs out with are grudge holders. And would come after. I don't think they would come after me, but they would. They would be like, "Oh, fuck you! You you don't know anything." But the thing is, like, the my thing about the whole breakup is they. He has his friends. Like when we separated, we kind of spread friend groups. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I'm gonna mute the mic. I need to know the name. He um. We're back. Yeah, we're back. He, he's friends with Kai and stuff. But the thing is, like, when we separated friend groups, mm-hmm. I just... The thing is, they never knew my side of the story and the whole relationship. And the thing is, like, I could tell that they judged me, but they didn't know the full story. And they were... They, they probably were willing to learn what happened to me mm-hmm. to understand. Because the reason why we broke up was a lot bigger than yeah. just Japan. But a lot of things happened, and... That friend group, I know things a certain way of me. Yeah. And if I only had my chance to tell them what really happened, then it would be a completely different story. But the thing is, like, I'm at the point now in my life where it's been so many years that I don't give a fuck. I think those were from a while ago. Oh, but yeah, like, I just don't care anymore. That like, I just like, still got pictures of you on Facebook, by the way. Yeah, I know. I see sometimes it comes up. I just wanted to see the picture. I was like, I think I know who this is. And I'm like, ooh, mm. okay, that's weird. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, it's, um, yeah. He, like, literally last year deleted the pictures off of Instagram of me. Oh, really? Yeah, because I, cause I was tagged in them, and I would look at my tags. Yeah. And I was a lot of, like, us, and then yeah, he deleted yeah, yeah. them. But, like, I mean, honestly, like, I know mm-hmm. he's... I personally know he was a better boyfriend to me than he is to his current girlfriend, so shouts out to me. Because I got the best of him, yeah. so I'm good. But I refuse to really acknowledge that group because I know what happened to me, and I know my story and my truth. Yeah. And they don't know, so I just don't bother. That's how all relationships are, though. Because like, there's a couple I wish that like people would allow me to explain the situation instead of the bullshit that was spewed. Yeah. And that's just how it goes because mm-hmm. it just seems like in breakups, regardless of who the person is that broke up. Like people are just so afraid of like, like the whoever the single person is. Like they're always so like, why not just live in the reality? Why do we have to make like stuff up about the other person? Because like most of my exes, like, no, I wouldn't ever talk to them or hang out with them. But I'm not gonna make up the reason why. I'm not gonna fake a reason why we broke up. Yeah. Well, and also too, I think in this situation, no one knows the full truth because I wasn't able to accept what happened in the full truth. Yeah. I'll just say what happened. His best friend assaulted me at a party. Oof. 
and SMICU. And and even to this day we have a mutual friend. We have a mutual friend who my last ex um, from earlier this year, he actually came up to me and was like, Hey, so the friend that we met that like we both know that we how we even met told me that you cheated in your last relationship. And I was like, Oh, is that what they think that I did in that last relationship? Oh, mm-hmm. did they not realize? And then I had to explain to my boyfriend what happened to me when I wasn't ready to tell him. Yeah. Because if I had my say, we weren't close. I didn't feel comfortable enough to tell him what happened to me that night. Yeah. And yet, because of that group thinking that I was a cheater, I had to then explain myself. Mm-hmm. Being like, this is what really happened. And I know that the Salter has probably been saying some things to make himself look better. Yeah. And like he's still though, friends with him and everything. Yeah, he's still friends with him and everything. Even though his homeboy slept with his love of his life, yeah. he still chose his homeboy over his girl. And that's why I would never, ever give a shit about that group. Because I'm like, they all think that I'm a cheater, but they don't know that that homeboy, when I was crying drunk, did some things to me. While my boy was in the other room consoling his girlfriend at the time. So that's Jesus why Christ. I refuse. Should we witch hunt? I'm down. Yeah. yeah. I mean. I'll kick in some doors. Yeah. I'll just say the homeboy that assaulted me was a Marine, so we gotta be careful. Listen. I'm not worried. Yeah, okay. I'm worried. I, I, I I've been doing jujitsu. I can put my gi on. I'll be ready. <laughs> you show up all over the pit, motherfucker. I'll put up the pit. But yeah, so that's why, like, for me, like, yeah, I hate when people like. I don't know where we're even coming from from that, but like, I hate. That's why I hate with like breakups and exes. Like, you can't explain your side mm-hmm. of the story because the thing is, I know they would never say that kind of thing to me if they knew the full story. Right. But not. they don't know the full story, and I don't want to be friends with them because I feel like it's too awkward now to tell them the full story because, like, we're not even friends anyways. Well, there's definitely a dynamic of, like, especially with, like, the boys, like, when you're hanging out with your bros, like... You have, like, the mentality... And he was definitely a bros before hoes kind of guy, and I just don't respect that. Well, and I know that saying's been used a lot. My friend group used to joke around about it, like, oh, you're gonna go hang out with your girl, like, bros before hoes, but, like, you know... It's it's one of those things where, like, most of the time, at least in my reality, because there was a situation with someone a long time ago where we found out that he had cheated on his girlfriend who was friends with us, and it pretty much was, everyone was like, oh, fuck this kid. Yeah. yeah. But then we found out that it wasn't just cheating, that he had, like, did some really bad stuff. Oh. And, uh... We found that out before he tried to mend the relationship with us. And he was kind of being like, yeah, man, I was drunk one night. I slept with someone. I regret it. And we were like, mm. we got the tea of what actually happened. Do you yeah. want to leave or do you want like to swallow your teeth? And he was like, <laughs> you're like, fair enough. All right. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things where like, yeah, there's always going to be people who are like trying to hide the bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, like, I'm at the point where, like, we would never work because he'd always been friends with that guy. And, yeah. like, I didn't process what really happened to me that night until later. Basically, when I told Catherine that, I'm like, and then basically three months later, I was then telling Bella. And then I was like, oh, my God, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, you were like, wait a minute, is that what happened? And I'm like, 
Yes. I've been trying to tell you this this whole time. Yeah, literally. I'm like, I don't think that was what you think it was. Uh, And then it was like a bit later, you were like, oh my god. And then we're like, yes. Yeah. Because I was so involved with that group that I didn't really Mm -hmm. want to believe it. And then it happened and I was like, oh, okay. It's fucked up. Yep. Yeah. It's fucked up shit like this still happens so regularly. Right? Oh, so regularly. That's why I think we should teach kids. Goes back to the early, you yeah, know, the early like, conversation. Yeah, the early conversation. Because, like, I mean, even, like, stuff like this, like, you never want to talk about when you're, like, something like that happens to you. Like, mm-hmm. especially, like, right when it happens. But, like, if there was, like, a therapist or someone, like, that you could just go to and just be like, hey, listen. Well, I don't I think, know what to do. Like, I don't know. It's yeah. just... Well, and I think, too, because, like, I mean, I had my best friend, and my best friend was just trying to, like, help me as best as she can. Yeah. But, like, I think if I had someone outside of my life, like, if I had a therapist mm-hmm. at the time, I think I would have instantly understood what happened that night. Yeah. Because, like, like, you could tell me as much as you wanted, but because you're my best friend, I'm only going to trust so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. But if someone outside of the group was to tell me what really happened that night, I would have been like, oh, my God. I would have realized yeah. it sooner. So that's why I think therapy with kids would be so much better, because I, then they can process what's going on. I really think them. therapy for everyone is just so important. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm i actually a firm believer that even if you are happy as shit in your life, oh, I you, think you should probably should. still just go, because, yeah. like, there's always things that you can either improve on, but there's also things that, like... Maybe you don't realize it's taking a toll. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, well, I'm also a firm believer in that. I think everyone should have a therapist. I think yeah. therapists, because, like, I think having an outsider's perspective in your life is so pleasant because cool. it, like, yeah. either solidifies what you're doing and makes you feel better about what you're doing, or it gives you the comfort that someone mm-hmm. who doesn't know you also understands your struggle. Well, it's pleasant, and it's also like they study how the brain functions. So like, like they're licensed professionals. Yeah, they're yeah. they're there to give you like either the advice or help that you need like from a physiological level. Like mm-hmm. like do you need this or that? Like maybe you're missing chemicals. Like maybe mm-hmm. like it's just so important to have someone that you can just be like, hey man, listen, this is these are the things that are going on in my head. Like yeah, is yeah. this normal? Is this not? Normal? You know? Like, should I be seeking more counseling? Uh, b says, Holly, thank you for being so brave to talk about that. Online is scary, but it helps others to be brave and speak up for themselves. Anything anything that can help end the stigma still associated with victims of violence, violent acts. Yeah. I agree. No, and, like, I'm comfortable talking about it. It just, the situation that made me upset was one of what, someone I considered one of my best friends who I still, I don't know, I have a hard time now that I think he thinks that of me. Someone calling me a cheater for having been assaulted, kind of, is where I'm like, you don't know the story. And it's sad, and it makes me kind of be like, what are the, what's the storyline in these people's mind? Because yeah. the thing is, I didn't really handle it the best way with my ex and explaining what happened to me because I didn't understand what happened to me and we broke up before I could really understand what happened to me even mm-hmm. because we broke up in October and I didn't understand until June, January mm-hmm. um, what happened to me and so for my my considerable best friend telling my boyfriend at the time who's not even shouldn't, shouldn't even be his best friend to be like mm-hmm. oh hey man Homie just, to homie, just so you know, know, Holly has cheated in the past. Yeah. And then for me, it was Valentine's Day, too. 
for me then, because yeah. we this was like a really cool, like, it was like kind of nice because we were really open and like conversationalist. Yeah. It was just not like the good, I just didn't love oh, him as much. Yeah. yeah, it was like I just didn't love him enough to be in a relationship with him. But then to have to awkwardly tell this guy who I didn't want to tell this story to what happened to me because yeah. I wanted to clear my name from not being a cheater. Mm-hmm really fucking sucked especially yeah. on valentine's day of all days yeah. Of all days but yeah no if you have been assaulted or you're not sure fucking google it i i mean from another ex soon after that i googled things and yeah. i was like you're like wow Wait a you could even be assaulted by assaulted by a boyfriend yeah fun oh. facts mm-hmm. and I mean, then to have there's assault by boyfriends i mean gaslighting and pressure like i'm i still think that pressuring in a relationship is still the assault in many oh, yeah. ways like because there's like when you're in a relationship there's almost these weird expectations but if you don't have like really good communication there still is that fine line of being like you know mm-hmm. if i'm like hey like since we're boyfriend girlfriend you should probably suck my dick or whatever and like if it's a hard no it's like oh well like you know i thought like since we're dating like, like, there's always shit like that and that to me is still a blurred line because that's like emotionally pressuring you mm-hmm. into doing something you don't want to do yeah you but know and that shit's non-consensual and that shit's very prevalent oh yeah i don't i can count i can't even count how many friends that i've had who've done shit with their partners mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they felt like they had to. their partner was either going to break up with them or think lesser of them yep. like yeah. that's super prevalent mm, it's very prevalent and that's one thing that isn't taught as much no it's rarely talked about literally um recently a friend of ours and another friend of ours had a really intense argument about kind of a similar subject and everything and she was telling um this friend and she's like she was like well it's important because like she's like that's what happened like but they were still in a relationship and he's like and then the other friend said well whatever happens in the people's relationships is their business and she was like, oh, really? And then, like, had to give him, like, an account of what happened to her in a relationship. Yeah. And he was like, and she's like, and you can get the fuck out. Good. And he did, and then he called her crying later and was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, that? Okay. I, I think, too, that there is still, like, this not, un- like, a lot of men don't understand, like, mm-hmm. like, dynamics in relationships. Because, it like, it really breaks down to communication. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. you need to communicate your concerns if you don't feel like you're having enough sex or you want to do different things. Like, oh, yeah. you just talk about it. And if it's a hard no, you really have to yeah. think to yourself, like, how important of the, is this to me? Is yeah. it important enough that maybe mm-hmm. we can't be together forever? Yeah. Or is it important enough that maybe we need to have a conversation about opening up the relationship with different partners? Like, those mm-hmm. are all conversations you have to have. But if you just, like gaslighting your partner into doing shit like yep. that's that's not good yeah you just make them feel bad yeah for it and they're just kind of like well, like my personal take on that as being someone in that kind of situation mm-hmm. is i think it's really important to also teach women when assault is an assault yeah because for me in both my assault cases i didn't realize it was assault until many moons later many months later i should say many moons moons. (laughs) (laughs) but for me it's hard because it's like you don't really understand what assault is until it happens to you and Mm -hmm. it sticks with you for so long that like it's a burden until someone's like no 
like I like to think of like a southern black lady being like, no, honey, child, I was a soul. And then like kind of having that realization, like that almost like that acceptance yeah. of being someone like, no, like what like, happened to you was assault and that you should not be okay with that. And then being mm-hmm. like, that's what happened to me. And it's like yeah. shitty that I, well, I think that like both men and women should have that conversation. Well, I think where we should yeah. teach women what assault is, what's considered assault, and then teach men what is assault and what can be considered assault yeah. in that way. Both parties understand when one's being, not even women being manipulated, men can also be manipulated in that mm-hmm. same sense. Because I'm a very big, that's why with like when people are like, are you a feminist? I'm like, only in the sense that is if it's looked at on both sides because men are assaulted as much as women are in a sense of sex ways. Mm-hmm. That's what I really truly believe in is that I think men and women should take almost an assault class in high school or middle school being like, hey, these okay. are the bounds of like what's considered assault. If your partner's saying no, then you gaslighting or manipulating or changing your mood because they said no, and then them being like, okay, fine, to make you happy, I'll do it, is an assault. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And people don't think that's assault sometimes. And that's what, like, kind of, like, mind fucks me because it's like, yeah. if you have to be tricked into having sex, that's assault. Yeah. And that's, like, one of those things that I don't think really comes to light until... Especially if you have relationships younger and stuff like that, because it's all kind of, you know, a lot of teenager emotions and all that stuff. And then when you have, like, more, like, adult relationships and whatnot, then if you actually experience something that actually has communication and everything, you're like, oh, so is that how it should be all the time? Yeah. Yeah. Like, whoa, that was... What? Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. And it's like, and I think that like having sex ed, maybe even start at the seventh grade. Like even if you're like, okay, let's not teach like the elementary school. Like even though like we had a situation yeah, where yeah, yeah. it was yeah. two sixth graders. Even if we started seventh grade and maybe in like, even in high school, then have the, like have the sex talk seventh grade mm-hmm. and then maybe like ninth grade have the assault talk. Because I think the thing is, is that like, I feel like women don't feel safe even saying no sometimes. Mm-hmm. But having that talk and like what assault is, and I think also explaining to men, because I think sometimes men don't realize that they're doing what they're doing no, until until it's too late and they've already done it. And then they're kind of like, so oh, I, I guess think, she did look uncomfortable. Mm. And I think, well, because like, at that point, some men are just fucking dumbasses and yeah. they should have realized, or they're just oblivious. Yeah. Because the thing is, it's hard to say where the line is, whether or not that person was conscious of what they were doing. But having that talk early on where both parties, both any sexual orientation and any sex genders, they, them, him, her, kind of talk, just having that talk about what assault is, what means yes, what means Mm -hmm. no. Having that talk, I think, would be really beneficial for society in general because then that way women understand when they have been assaulted that they have been assaulted. And then men can be like, Oh, what I did could be considered assault, and I will not act that way. Well, and I think too that, like that we need to make sure that there's more stricter punishments that go on for yeah. things like this. Like I, the mm-hmm. whole Twitter thing that we talked about, right? Where oh, yeah. that that stuff was going on. Like there was a lot of positive that came from that, but there was also a lot of negative as far as like, at least from a guy's perspective, the one the couple things that I saw, like. I think that outing actual predators and actual people who are doing assaults is very mm-hmm. important because yeah. a you need to protect your other 
people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to make sure that these guys aren't going and getting involved with more people. Yeah. But there was some stuff too that I think needs to be held accountable on the opposite side where it was like there was one person who talked about how some kid had a weird kink and it made her uncomfortable but they didn't do anything. But now he's tied to this whole entire thread about women getting abused and raped. You know, stuff like that because I think having those fine lines of Mm -hmm. like, you know, what is the boundaries, what is assault, what is an assault, like we can't we we have to make sure that the people who are assaulting are getting in trouble. Yeah. You know, that's the most important and, thing. And a good example, another personal example, I don't feel like I have a lot of examples tonight, but another good example of that Twitter thing is I met with a guy on Tinder. Oh, yeah. And come to find out after we hooked up, I think it was like literally a month later, yeah. Cass sent me a tweet about that exact same guy saying, watch out, people in the Salt Lake Provo area, there's this guy who's an assaulter. And the thing is, like, I wasn't assaulted. I'm not Mm. saying he did it. I'm not, like, going to jump on that bandwagon and be like, oh, yeah, he assaulted me too. Because I hate people who also jump on bandwagons. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, during that experience, if I wasn't down, basically down to fuck, if I wasn't down, I could understand why he could be called out that way. Because... My, he was very pushy, but in the sense of, like, I was down, too, so it matched the energy. Mm-hmm. But, like, during that time, I could also tell he was in a very specific, specific kink, which I could understand a lot of, especially Mormon girls, not being into. Being like, what? Yeah, so, like, I can understand why people would consider that assault, but I can also see him being an assaulter in a sense that he wouldn't have... If I said no, I don't know if he would have stopped. Yeah. But I was down. So, like, it was, like I wasn't assaulted, and I my friends say he assaulted me, but I can also see why other women why would think I think, too, him. like, it sucks that we've missed such an important part of having these conversations, like, when the online apps started happening because like there were situations where I was uncomfortable yeah like during those early tinder days because like let's be honest like when tinder first came out it was definitely a lot of hooking up yeah and there was stuff where like I went to places to hook up and the conversation was a hookup but then when upon arriving and like slowly getting into it it was just the mood was weird yeah like it was off because it was like not like anyone not like one either myself or the other person were like oh we don't want to do this but it was like there wasn't comfortability like it was almost like now we kind of have to because yeah. we put ourselves in this situation right and i feel like that if we would have had more vocal people talking about those early hookup culture days with online apps like i think a lot of people would have been in a better place mentally because like yeah yeah, and I, it was almost a fad, right? Like if you were on Tinder, you were pretty much DTF on those early, like first like six months to a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like when the you would like show up somewhere and they'd be like, "Oh, well, I'm not really down." So like, oh, okay, cool. Like, let's just go on a date. Am I yeah. going on a date? Am I leaving? Like, yeah, what like, are we what's doing? The, what's like, the plan? What's the it, plan? it was just a weird time to be like active on social media. It's Tinder is social media, right? And like, mm-hmm. you're putting yourself out there. You know, trying to find those balances of like. Are we hooking up? Are we dating? Are we? Oh, what's going on here? Is a yeah. one night stand? Is this like a friends like and benefits? Like, yeah. yeah, like it's just I don't know. It was just weird, and I feel like there's a lot of people who probably still question like 
what they took away from those time periods. Because, like, I do. Mm-hmm. And there's times where I was like, I hooked up with that person, but why did I do it? Yeah. You know? Like, I think the like, early yeah. years of Tinder makes me think of what kind of people are in Utah in the sense of, like, I had so many 25-year-olds matching with me down to fuck. Even though I was like, I was upfront the entire time. Every guy I messaged, I was like, hey, just so you know, I am 17 years old and still in high school. They're like, that's fine. And then me being a 17-year-old being like, okay, they're fine with it. And I would, mm-hmm. and then I changed it so it was only people 20 to my age. Because you couldn't have one until you're 18. So I had mine yeah. at set at 18. And I would tell them, first to third text, hey, I'm 17 and still in high school. This is this. See, so you so did the people. right thing because I personally have an experience where that happened to me, where I matched with a girl who said she was 19 years old on Tinder, and she was, and halfway through the date and planning to go and bang, she was like, "Oh, by the way, I'm 17." Ew. I'd be like, "Ha!" Oh yeah, it was one of those things like, "This isn't okay. I'm like, not okay with this." Yeah, and she's all like, and she tried to like. Not to be rude to her or anything like that, but she tried to play it off like, oh, it's cool, like, I'm cool, like, I'm down. And I'm like, You're like I'm, I'm not. not. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I, can't, I, I think I was only, like, 18 at the time. Yeah, yeah. But it still just felt so, like, I was so drastically different from, like, I couldn't even put myself in the high school mentality mm-hmm. and being around someone who was, like, that young. I, I don't know. It was just It just felt so gross. And I was like, like hey. Like, I even told her, I was like, hey, you got free dinner tonight. Take that as a win, you know, like, yeah, like bye. I'll Later. pay for dinner. Like, it just, oh my god, I don't know. We just live in a really still fucked up culture, yeah, seriously, just across the board. It's pretty fucking crazy, it really is. I'm like, I, whenever I think about it, I'm like, oh my god, yeah, what was happening? What's still happening? Yeah, trying to unpack everything is yes, just... too much baggage, yeah. Too much baggage. Too much baggage. I realize, should we switch on to... Yeah, that's what I'm strain? thinking. I wanted to wait for her to come down so we can figure out what we're going to do for our next episode and then oh, yeah. switch over to the Christmas special. Christmas special! Yeah, it's... We definitely live in a... It's time to bust out of the rank now. An interesting time period. Yeah, seriously. I feel like especially with like social media and everything, it has really like ramped it up so we're going to close out and get to the Christmas special but what do we want to do for the next I know that time wise we're going to be probably later January for true crimes oh for true crimes oh I was thinking are you available that week of the January 2nd oh I'm going to be actually because next weekend I'm going to be in Texas and the the weekend after I'm going to be at the cabin with some friends so can we play on the 9th the 9th okay okay Cabin Let's do the ninth. And I was thinking, um, I didn't really have a, a particular person in mind. I was thinking kind of like, um, I don't know. Because we were talking about like the, you know, like the American Horror Story Hotel. I was thinking about doing kind of like, maybe we can do like, um, is it Ed Home? E.E. Home? H.H. H. Holmes? H.H. H. Holmes. H.H. H. Holmes. <laughs> I was thinking just, because, like, I, I was looking more into, like, the American Horror Story house, or hotel, because mm-hmm. I know it's based off something. Yeah. And that kind of goes with E.E. E. Holmes. H.H. H. Holmes, sorry. I don't know why I'm saying E.E. E. Holmes. H.H. H. Holmes. So we just cover H.H. H. Holmes and everything that is... 
going to H.H. Holmes. So I think that would be a good, like, solid long episode. And also there's so much to expand on, because then we can talk about the American Horror Story Hotel, kind of like his hotel that he made. And also, too, then that way it gives us two full weeks to fully cover him. Yeah, which we'll probably need more since it's a he's a lot. But um, I think that would be really cool and to start off the year with, like, a... Yeah. Kind of notorious killer that kills fucking tons of bitches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> tons, <laughs> tons of bitches. Tons of bitches got killed. Yeah. So, yeah, let's plan on that. So, everyone listening, H.H. Holmes will be live on January 9th. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, should be a great episode. I'm excited because I don't know anything about him. I know. I know a bit, but I know there's so much more. And also, because next week I'm going to be in Texas, so I have like not, I have a lot of more free time. Can I kind of want to do, yeah, I can do a lot of research. And I think he's a really good one to do a ton of research on, so I'm excited for him. Well, hell yeah. This hell was yeah. Uh, a good episode because Jonestown and the. The purple Kool Aid. This is for our Christmas special. Oh. <laughs> Alright, guys, thank you again for watching. Thank you. Uh, make sure, yes. Yeah, social media. True Crime Drunks every day serial killer or something true crime related yeah. truecrimedrunks.com website um and our youtube channel true crime drunks yep and i Watch have a instagram books coffee bees and also if you're hearing this on itunes give us a give us a rating please we'd love to know if you don't feel. five star i'll choke you out Oh my god. Oh, really? Ed they're, they're like, do I will you? Yeah, like, don't will you? Do, do you have big hands? Do you have? I just imagine a four star rating and being like, what are those hands gonna do? Yeah. What are those hands gonna do? Just cards, choke me, Dash. Ah, no. I haven't got another one. What am I cooking? Alright, give me your address. Yeah. Not this again. I try to run from my past. <laughs> Alright, guys. See you later. Thank Bye. you. So long. Bye. Bye.